Demon. The Demon going extreme. He's going to the top rope. He's going to do it. Oh, my God. And the rope just broke. What type of bush league? Hello and welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Ben. I'm JP. And I'm Gareth. And we're back on a Tuesday, lads. Things are back to normal. Didn't mess up the intro. Life is good. Maybe not if you listen to that pre-show, but you know, everything's alright in it, JP. <laughs> How are you, mate? <laughs> I... I'm generally all right. That's what I'll throw it in. But you've you've had a bit of a shocker of a day, as we've been discussing again on the on the pre-show. So I don't know if you want to go into all of that in detail. But for those of us who know what Benno's other passion is of, of fantasy, uh, of fantasy league, it's been fucking awful, mate. Sorry, yeah, I'll bring it up out of the blue. Again. If you want to summarize, I had a bin stolen. I've got a cold, but it's not COVID. And the biggest headline: some gobshite Russian teenager logged into my fancy football account and deleted my team. But other than that, it's been a good few days. I'm hopeful to get it back. I'm hopeful uh, that the gods of Fantasy Premier League are, are going to shine down on me and give me a back. But the cunt logged in and made like 100 transfers before he did it to try and cost me points. Luckily, I'd hit my wild card, so hopefully I've gotten away with uh, losing the points. But it's all, uh, re- all relying on uh, some nice admin over at Fancy Football Towers to, uh, to reinstate me. So if anyone knows anyone over there, have a word or anyone who listen works there. Hail Mary. <laughs> Help a brother out. <laughs> I'm, tr- I'm trying. I like th- threw some uh, threw some message there into one of my mates who's a uh, is a is a sport agent for like a massive sport agency and I was just like explaining to him, I don't suppose you know anyone in like fantasy Premier League and is there is he was like he was outraged that somebody would do that. He was like, I'm throwing it open to the office now. I was thinking, yeah. oh, well, we've got a, oh, you know, we've go. literally, this is like, this is like sports agency that uh, I think they've done Beckham. They've done Mourinho. They've, I don't, you know, the big guns. We've got the big guns out trying to save the day, Benno, anyway. And now they're uh, doing <laughs> Benno of Graf. Pre- team good. of Premier League legends out chasing down <laughs> to save your FPL team at this point. Watch out, Russian teenagers. They're coming for you. Yeah, it's... Uh... And it's about fucking time. Sorry to get back on the hacking hobby horse. We did... <laughs> I'm sure I advocated for a like a bomb strike on one of those like troll farms just to send the message. <laughs> you fuck no with the bullshit. ball, you get the horns. And maybe the FPL is the way for, you know, uh, this is the straw that broke the camel's back. Maybe you should lead this country, JP. You could lead us out of this crisis we're currently in. I'd, I'd get us into war, mate, is what I'd be doing. <laughs> I'd just be getting into a direct host, hostile war. You're um, always talking about yeah. sucking diesel, so it kind of works. Well, apparently, it's been it's been sucked well and truly out of the forecourts of uh, all of the country. I don't know how bad it is around Liverpool. I don't drive, so mm. like for me, it's it's not had like as direct an effect. Mm. But um, this country is going to the fucking dogs, and the speed it's doing with. I mean, to quote, um, what is it, Superintendent Jarmers? It's a hell of a toboggan ride. Let's just go with it. Maybe <laughs> Brexit working out well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all the all it's crazy. All the people who went home during the pandemic decided that maybe returning to the UK was not the best place for them. 
Oh. Seeing as we'd had a vote to explicitly remove them. Literally one of my... You, William Cooling in the chat. One of my relatives was on Facebook saying something like, oh, and it's disgusting. Even now after Brexit, they're trying to bring back all these European drivers to, to do it rather than training up our homeless and war veterans. And I was like, I mean, <laughs> I feel like these two issues aren't really connected. What? <laughs> also war veterans. <laughs> just some what is this? <laughs> Train us a map fella for the just... street, give him some guns and uh, put them in charge of a lorry. I feel like that's a perfect solution to the uh, the issues. <laughs> that's mental thinking. Mm. That can't oh, be that my uncle's Facebook conspiracy theory is that uh, there's a sell by date on diesel or something like that, that, and it's uh, and it's uh, they're just uh, oh, yeah. yeah, it's it's, it's fictitious to get conveniently. Just, going out of date. Just on our shitty island. Nowhere else in the world. Just here. It's all running out. Yeah. I'm sure that's fucking true. Oh, Jesus. I'm glad I don't drive anymore. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's an absolute mess, mm. isn't it? I don't know if you found it, Gareth, you're not you're not having to drive into Manchester, are you? Have, have you minute? put on leather than your diesel car or anything like that, like the fucking idiots have been doing? <laughs> Nah, no, that. It's a good excuse to stay home, though, isn't it? I've been like, uh, <laughs> supposed to go to Manchester two days a week, and it's like, nah, you know, don't want to, don't want to waste it. Uh, you know, might as well sit in the house and watch the M1. It's <laughs> <laughs> away that's a weekend. Uh, I was going to ask you your lockdown. Happy lockdown for Gareth this one. Yeah, it works out well. I was going to ask you your luck, your weekend actually, JP. You've had a good weekend. Fucking Arsenal turned up for once. I have. What happened there? Um. Oh God, what a. Honestly, that was a long time coming. I was losing my shit watching it here with my eldest. Um, God, it was great. And especially, like, I, I had a bad week because I, I forgot to change my fantasy league after speaking about it with you guys for the guts of a couple of hours in and out of a conversation. I completely forgot to do the fantasy league team. So it was a bit of a mess. You're just messing week. with me now. Fuck you. Like, you should Sorry. One. <laughs> I've Arsenal players all over the place. I don't even one. know what's in my team, JP. I don't know. Sorry. Not in the draft. Yarmolenko, he's definitely in there. <laughs> um, the, it, it is. It, it's it like it's considering. I like a lot of our season is like obviously it's like three defeats, two fucking scrappy wins, not convincing, and going out and just dicking that lot over was mm. just. Oh, it was just beautiful uh, as well. Like it was glorious. Ramsdale telling the ball boys to slow down, throwing the ball back. He's learning shit houseery fast, and it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm loving the lad already. So yeah, Arsenal optimism is back um, until we inexplicably start shipping silly goals and become a banter club that we've been for the last ten years. But I'm gonna enjoy this one week bit of grace of reading every match report, enjoyable and player rating stuff. So, and I noticed that he's possibly the new Wenger, according to the BBC website. I was like, it's amazing what one wing can do for a year. <laughs> what are you two? What are you two? <laughs> my god no it, Granite Jacker is still in that side so the whole thing is a liability at various points but um, seeing Harry Kane have a, have a shocker it'll always put a smile on my face them lot <laughs> pissed off playing donkey football smiling my sister on the other hand absolutely like just completely gutted and I can't mm. take the piss out of her because she's my big sister but like it's it hurts them and I won't lie I'm smiling knowing that it hurts them as well just for this week you, this weekend you were up in Leeds, weren't you, Gareth? For uh, for Tyler, we were just talking about a little bit on the uh, on the pre show. Got the uh, the review to come later. Good day out, though. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. Uh, just getting a, getting over there to Leeds, sort of late around about midday. So 
double show, double header, and a little few beers before and a little trip to Pop World in between and a few beers afterwards. So uh, that was a... Joined uh, up with a Hendu, mate, by the looks in, of it. Indeed, indeed. Joined up with the Hendu, so met up with uh, Andy and Jeff from Graphs and Claps, Ben, Brit SOA Days, uh, Chris, uh, one of our patrons. It was uh, good to good to meet him and, yeah, loads of loads of other people. Sean was there and things. There was a decent decent crowd there of uh, the... Uh, the north, uh, northwest Brit West scene and beyond. So yeah, I had a, oh. had a good, had a, had a good laugh with that. So that was a good, good day out. And on the uh, on the Sunday, Sarah was uh, Sarah had a bit of work to do, so she was like, "Get the kids out of the house." So I was considering trying to drag them to the TNT show on the uh, on the Sunday, but the, they weren't having it. We went to see uh, Shang Chi instead, and uh, so that was the first. Uh, that was the first cinema trip since oh. pre pre lockdown as well. So that was. Uh, Should that I was, see the Sopranos nice movie? Mate? They would have enjoyed that. Well, <laughs> for you as well. Yeah. I said he was wanting Candyman. To be honest, we were looking down. I was like, no, nah, no, nah, not, not taking you. I mean, I know I was probably watching Nightmare on Elm Street at your age, but I'm not, I was not taking you to the cinema for Candyman at, at the age of eight. Mate, I was going to ask you directly. You would have been watching Nightmare on Elm Street. When did that come out? Eighty seven. I want to say. Ooh, I By about 1990, and the story's just been told about how scary that film was. Yeah, yeah. Like, I remember. A fr- I remember having a French exchange student coming over and staying at ours in like first year at senior school, and making him watch it. And he was just up all night with fucking nightmares. And I was thinking, <laughs> there you go. Well, welcome to Britain. But he was doing it already because he'd, he'd gone. He's gone to Cumbria. <laughs> Imagine how he tells that story to people now. <laughs> sorry, Frederick. Frederick. sorry Frederick Crepel <laughs> whatever happened to you <laughs> might be listening now <laughs> that would be oh, a tweet wouldn't it <laughs> uh, like, well, you... in the woods <laughs> uh, no, I was going to say while you were doing that I was recording the uh, the great world transfer window mm. over on uh, on post wrestling on Saturday you can look forward to that on your, your feeds on Thursday I was just teasing in the pre-show I did sign a uh, a Noah talent so you know I, I did that for you Gareth I just thought you know I've got a, a, I owe him one um, but other than that yeah it was a, it was a fun time don't think I'm going to win this thing. Uh, it's a fucking. It's one of them. You can pl- you can you do your best laid plans. You think you got. You think oh, I'm going to do this. Is going to be my main event. These are going to be my top guys. Oh, here's a couple of teams that people aren't going to sign. And then by round three, everyone's fucking gone, and you're scrambling. Um, oh yeah. It was another one of them, but it was a fun time. And then you get to like round twenty, and then someone goes, "Has anyone signed Andrade yet?" And there's loads of little wrestlers like that. You just kind of forget. It's hard to remember every wrestler in the world. Like the the last one was just Brit Res, and that was hard enough. This was. Uh, um, every wrestler not signed to WWE was available for it. So, yeah, yeah, I'll I'll have missed a couple of obvious ones in the early rounds. So take it easy on me when you listen, people. But it was a great time recording. Just wait if it's not out till Thursday. Martin might have uh, hacked your recording by then. And then it's, uh, <laughs> you, you've got like Flash Morgan Webster first pick and things like that. <laughs> Sorry, Ben. <laughs> I, I did sign a couple of, uh, of Brit Resnates, but not them. Um, no, Flash Morgan Webster is going to be too busy defending indie wrestling from the impending WWE invasion. So it's all ah, good. Of course. In, uh, <laughs> God. He's got the scene on his shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> we all excited for that, by the way. That's been announced. Uh, well, not announced, but uh, reported today. That uh, coincidentally, JP, you know, what we were saying, you know, I mean, AW thinking about uh-huh. coming coming to the UK. You know, WWE coincidentally after I did I did scoop it last week at the, at the WWE house show. Drew Galloway uh, slash McIntyre was talking uh-huh. about WWE potentially coming back for the 30 year anniversary of SummerSlam, and wouldn't you know it, the the, the former home of uh, Attack Pro Wrestling slash the uh, upcoming home of. <laughs> 
defending the wrestling Cardiff is apparently going to be uh, the home for uh, the 30 year anniversary of SummerSlam 92 I'll fucking believe it mm. when I see it but also very funny um, that, that of course they can't let uh, AW get that but they're leaving them a big window to be fair they are leaving them a big window and I'm just hoping for like this I'll be watching the Fulham redevelopment stuff like with a very keen eye to hope that they get in there kind of May possibly June because they're looking at all oh, they're waiting for that of either uh, well, it'd be all if it's SummerSlam, it'd be that. I thought it was the oh, end of this. Season. Oh, right. Sorry, I thought you meant the redevelopment of um, Craven Cottage. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Oh. Isn't that ready for like April, uh, like the end of this season? Oh, right. I didn't realize. I didn't even I know could... they were doing it. I think that's what Dylan had said before. Mm. And he's definitely like the resident kind of Fulham and Watchford, Watford. Uh, watcher, he, he knows about knows about those two clubs in detail. The, the idea of them running the principality, just in theory, it's like why haven't they done this before? Like mm. this has been an obvious idea for such a long time, and it's amazing what manages to kick things into gear. I don't buy the idea they're waiting for the what the thirtieth anniversary in order in order to be able to do it. It leaves that window there. I will say this: I've been to when Wembley was closed. I ended up going to the. Um, uh, to the Principality Stadium a, cu- a few times. Fucking great stadium. I went there for the Olympics as well. What's it used to be like called? The, day- the Millennium something. The Millennium. The millennium. Yeah, yeah, the Millennium. I think, it, I think it's the Princeton Palette and they've got Cardiff Arms next door as well. And it's a brilliant stadium. It was like, I remember going there. It was like, um, yeah, like I say, uh, Egypt versus Brazil mm. in the, like when the Olympics were over. And it was, it was fucking great. 3-2. Wild old game. Salah played in it. Um, However, it was like, it's a brilliant stadium. I'm sure they'll sell it out because the novelty value of it. Um, it's just amazing they haven't done it sooner. It's amazing what it takes to kick their arse into gear. And you could almost take this with like the television program and the stuff they're doing on Raw. Now, I haven't watched it, but all of a sudden they seem to be having big matches every week on Raw, aren't they? They're like kind of really adamant they're doing that. So... The idea that AEW that there isn't some sort of fire being lit up here, like it becomes kind of more and more apparent of like, all right, they're gonna these are the things that they're gonna do initially. But um yeah, like you say, uh, you know, you you're you're skeptical it's gonna happen, Benno. You don't think it is. I don't know, I just think seventy five thousand, like fucking hell, like and more probably. I sell it out. You count for that. You reckon I mean I know that I mentioned that OT last week was busy, but I didn't realise it was that big. I should have known it was that big at being the millennium, but like <laughs> I don't know, like maybe. Um it's surprising they do part of it. I'm looking at... I'm just looking forward to them bringing back Mason Ryan for that big British Bulldog style SummerSlam oh. 92 run. Like, going, Rob after Terry. The IC belt in the, going after the IC belt in the main event, Mason Ryan. Come on. <laughs> but no, it's, 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 it's a cracking venue for Maybe Mark like, Andrews will get a push loop. finally. Well, South, yeah. it's South Wales South subculture. <laughs> you should know this, Benno. Come on. <laughs> But, no, it's it, it, it's one it's one of them. Like I say, I've been for rugby league cup finals, and it's just it's like it's a cracking venue. It's like great for wrestling, obviously, with the retractable, retractable roof, loads of boozers like next to the ground, some like decent old pubs and things, and then you're not yeah. far away from and these far away, walk away from other ones and things like that. Like it'll be a, it'll be cracking. I mean, I, I would have been skeptical, but like you said, that that crowd at the uh, at the O2, mm-hmm. like when you went that show. I was gobsmacked that they drew that many people. So mm. who knows if they put a big, uh, put a big bit of promotion behind it with BT yeah. or something like that. Um, you know, and it would have been the anniversary and all, all that. Yeah, yeah, wouldn't uh, 
wouldn't um, wouldn't surprise you if they did did decent out of it. Mm-hmm. Are we gonna go then, JP? Is it set? We're all gonna go. Do you reckon they'll do it? Uh, I, I would fucking. I, I mentioned that on Twitter, but I would fucking love for. I don't fucking. Def- def- I love it. Defending the wrestling are doing a ten year anniversary show this this uh, year in Cardiff. They could do the eleven year anniversary show. You could have that. Could you know that could take place at like a, a little ground down the road or something like that. A couple of arenas. Bring a do the full WrestleMania weekend treatment. I mean, I'm just still sad it's not in field, but I'll take that. They could do it in the Millennium Stadium car park and they could be there like stopping like Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns getting into the building and stuff, really defending India wrestling that they're not letting these WWE guys come into their uh, territory in Cardiff and uh, yeah, just uh, just Mark Andrews and uh, Eddie Dennis just holding their arms out, blocking the entrance. Defend! <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'll be honest, I, sw- I want to see uh, Robbie Savage and Craig Bellamy with a golf club getting involved in some sort of angle. I think that would be the kind of thing I'd, I'd get quite into in that case. No? <laughs> tank Andy says here. <laughs> <laughs> I know he wasn't talking about what you're talking about, but that works too. <laughs> it could work. <laughs> oh. Jesus. I, but won't yeah, I, I, won't, I won't go to Ryan Giggs. We'll leave that there. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry. I was going to say, did, any more takes on that? Like, uh, yeah, I... I I suppose, like, yeah, you think about it, you know, they're going to want to beat AEW, so it, it's been teased for 30 years. Yeah. I'm surprised they're doing a proper pay-per-view. If 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 it does become true in a SummerSlam, I would have expected it to be more like, oh, we'll give you a fucking Extreme Rules or something like that. Speaking of which, might mention that in a bit. But, mm. yeah, they're not going to want AEW to have that glory, are they? So, yeah, I think I do believe yeah. it's happening now. I think the idea that they'll have three times the attendance, mm. that'll be the thing. They'll be going three times, we're three times as big. Mm. And for them, they'll look at it as that's the perception of it, regardless of kind of how good or how big the AW show is. Mm. I mean, this is the thing that we've said for a very long time. They've needed a file it under their ass in order to kind of do things. Now, we're going to, when we talk about the very little of extreme rules that I actually watched, like how from a creative perspective they haven't got it but it feels like from a business perspective now they're kind of recognizing that they're wanting to do things to kind of show market dominance Mm. and because it's they've shown vulnerabilities on that front they've shown the fact that it's not attracting that younger audience i mean you know you read the stories about fox and usa wanting to work with them and stuff but i don't know like i'm i'm very very skeptical like mm. uh, uh, about some of the the niceties of that stuff because I can't keep them thinking. I don't know if we've touched. I've seen, I don't know what the raw rating is this week, but you know, mm. it, it's one point seven get- one. Is it? What's the demo? <sighs> don't know. I've just gone on Alvarez's. He always just reports the. Uh, that he definitely one hundred percent steals from Brandon. <laughs> one point five million eighteen to thirty four. Benno is what it is. Two hundred thousand old lads. <laughs> a group of youngsters with money to fucking burn. Uh, the key demo. So uh, total, total viewership was down five percent from last week. Eighteen uh, four and nine down down two percent. Uh, maybe Dynamite can catch. Off the back of a pay per view, a mega hot pay per view as well. Uh, I suppose you, you brought it up, JP. Do you want to, how much did you did you just, did you just watch the main event? Because I only watched the last two matches. Yeah, I've just seen the main event. I don't think we can put this at the front. We'd be, we would, I, I have nothing to drag this out with other than to <laughs> laugh at the main event. It was I read funny, the though. results. And I honestly, I, I, and as people would probably hear, 
I really, really didn't want to watch this show. And it was only you said, like, you got to watch the, the main event for the laugh at the oh. end. I, I got up on, like, because I didn't watch the pay-per-view because I've been, I was out drinking all day on Sunday. I was uh, through, through a few local Toxteth pubs, had a couple of nice pints of um, Brooklyn Lager, um, which I was surprised to find in pubs in Toxteth. Good beer, though. Um, so I was like, I was half cut and I just couldn't convince myself to stay up. I just fell asleep on the couch and didn't watch it. And then I got up the next day and there was like, yeah, like literally all anyone was talking about was like this this Finn Balor thing and slipping off the top rope. Like I'm guessing you haven't seen it, Gareth, and I, I don't blame you. Like, like I watched the I watched the main event. I watched the main event. I went back on my word and said I wasn't watching a minute of it. But when I <laughs> saw them gifts of the main event, I had to watch it. <laughs> it was fucking like because the match itself was all right. Like they were building something, yeah. you know. I, I mean, I don't buy Balor in any way, really. I think. You know, he's, he's he's close to Seth Rollins on my list of slightly above average, bang average uh, wrestlers who uh, who get overrated. But, you know, he's no, been uh, not not helped by the... I know, he's an Irishman, so JP will defend him. But, you know, he's not been helped by the booking. And I thought, I've got to see it. And seeing it in real, like, seeing it from my own eyes didn't do the gifts justice because it was like... It was the one-two combo. It wasn't just the fact that they had him, like, lying on the floor doing the, you know, the, the shakes to the uh, the red fiend light and, and his music play and doing this dopey comeback like if you did that on its own that'd be bad but not that bad you'd be like okay it's a hokey comeback but all right then they do the fucking slipping on the top rope thing which again if you did on its own don't get me wrong it'd be a bad idea but you could kind of be like okay it's an overly creative bad finish the fact that they did them both together the fact that the cunt was stood on the top rope with his music playing with this red light going and then he slipped off the top rope like a cunt and got me by Roman Reigns if you think that's protecting a baby face I don't know what to tell you it was I was pissing myself off and watching it it's like, absolutely <laughs> amazing I have to echo that. Like, I was watching this, like, kind of thinking the match itself is fine. Like, it's got the, unfortunately, it's just got those, what of now Roman Reigns tropes mm. in his matches that they're always kind of going through. Including- but when when he was on the floor mm. after the, it's after the spear spot, wasn't it? Mm. And that music started going. I near pissed myself. <laughs> like, when he was like doing the like kind of flopping around, wish like, you could put gifts in the show image. <laughs> yeah, like it's so bad. Like, and it's. I mean, I've got issues with the character anyway, including like, like what's the explanation behind this demon stuff as well? I don't think but he even knows the whole presentation because it was so bad. Like, it was just so fucking ridiculous that couple of minutes. <laughs> And it just ended up with this ridiculous fucking like rope breaking out of nowhere and then leading to the spear. And Roman Reigns, I think, was he like looking up to God and stuff like that? I love that. What a great touch. I mean, (laughs) I laughed, but I don't know if that's the... Like, were there... Was Vince McMahon and everyone else going, this is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant from beginning to end. Of course, it plays into the demon character, to which I'll ask, what is the demon has everyone thought about this? Mm. Or are we just humouring blacking up? Because that's like, like I look at this and I'm like thinking, like, what is this character? What is he fucking meant to be? It's ridiculous. Like the whole thing is just like, I, I, watching this completely in a vacuum of not knowing how this is coming up. It's just awful. 
Mm. It's Papa Lazarus. It's, it's like Papa Lazarus. Papa Lazarus. When he comes out, I was just expecting him to do a big oh, hello. He said the same thing as well. <laughs> Down the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, I mean. That's what I think though when you look at it. Like, yeah, yeah. And like these cunts aren't going to say no. I saw like there was a story this week of um, Seth Rollins saying he was angry at Vince because of what they did in that Hell in a Cell match when they did the red light thing with him and the Fiends. And then Bray Wyatt broke his Twitter silence to be like, you should get, you should know what I thought about that as well. Like, I don't believe any of these cunts. None of these cunts are going to Vince and saying no. Um, but like, I don't know if I'm Finn Balor. Maybe, you know, I don't know how long he's got left on his contract, whether he wants to stay there for his career. You'd probably say no on this one, mate. you probably grow a set of balls, you know? Mate. We are a world away from from Fergal Devitt in a Republic of Ireland away top, like taking the piss out of Japanese interviewers, and you're just like, hey, this bloke's fucking awesome. Is what like, obviously what I thought at the time. Like, <laughs> it, all right, the the Black Island away shirt is fucking class, from like the late two thousands. <laughs> so there there is that, but Jesus Christ, to this, like it's it's the worst kind of performative wrestling like that type of stuff. And I will say there was the other great moment in the match as well, which I, I pissed myself laughing. Roman Reigns putting on the mask. Oh, the I love that. The smartest man in wrestling. <laughs> like, of course. And in gimmick. So good. And out of gimmick. He should do that, yeah. He's got all yeah. kinds of issues. He's got leukemia and stuff, you know. Don't go through that fucking little sweaty tri- crowd. It's a little tribute to his uncle, the Sultan. <laughs> <laughs> Trendsetter, mate. <laughs> How's it doing on Grapple Guy? Uh, I think it was average. I mean, it was averaging out about three star or something like that. I don't know, but it was just, yeah. it was just fucking hilarious, wasn't it? It was just like, like mm. literally hilarious. Like you're just pointing at the telly, laughing your head off, just like watching this thing. My favourite bit was, <laughs> my favourite bit was, is, was Pat McAfee on commentary? I think it was Pat. Yeah, it yes. sounded like Pat. He, <laughs> it happened, and the rope snapped. And then he went, what kind of Bush League? And then he went quiet. And then I was thinking there was just some like Vince McMahon with like a blow dart from the back or something like that. Just like got him, got him in the neck. Like, don't compare us to Bush League. <laughs> just, <laughs> he, he wouldn't shock me because he is good. I like, he seems to be able to do his own thing. He, he does a lot of the WWE isms as well, but he definitely kind of gets away with more than the, uh, the other comedy. Oh, yeah. Too. I like Pat McAfee. He's like, I, I have to admit, I, I, like he grated on me for the bits that were kind of on in the background as I actively tried to avoid watching it. Um, but I mean, it was just the repetition. Like I, I'm sorry to bang on about it. They never called him Finn Balor. They just called him the demon. And like, and this ties in almost with the problem with like the Bray Wyatt stuff, any of that stuff mm-hmm. goes into the realms of the supernatural. And I think certainly at age 43, I've very much checked out of that era of wrestling. You said Lily died, mate. Early on the show, you're not watching. The, you're not well, the I I saw that the thank you Lily chant was funny. <laughs> that's all you can get. I, I don't know how much of it was sincere. Mm. Like that's that's the the kind of more worrying aspect. But yeah, and they wonder why people aren't watching, and younger people are, are watching AEW. Eh? Mm. Like there is nothing <laughs> AEW's done. Like even like librarian stuff is not as bad as the Lily stuff or the stuff that went on in that like any of their bad gimmick matches that like kind of you know didn't work more by accident you know blood and guts kind of mm. beat that ridiculous main main event oh, yeah. i mean i it's just I, I just don't see a comparison 
I just threw it on to kind of like as, as like a completist, not not as much as Gareth, but I was like, I'll I'll see what's happened on this pay per view. I'll scroll through the grapple ratings, and it was just like a a reminder of why you don't invest in this shit. You know, Be- Becky and Bianca in the uh, in the in the semi main as well went out there had a pretty decent match. Bullshit finish, DQ. Sasha Banks came on. It was just over, and it was like you know they gave away one of the Extreme Rules matches on uh, on Raw last week because they wanted because they're afraid of AEW and afraid of ratings right now. There was another Extreme Rules match on Raw this week. One as many as there were on this Extreme Rules pay per view, and all of the good stuff's being saved for the Saudi show. You know, Lashley versus I say good stuff. Lashley versus Goldberg and uh, and Brock versus Roman. More to the point, uh, it's just that uh, yeah, I just watch it and just well. laugh at the, that. There's that many people who are still invested in this stuff. We need an Alexander Usk to ruin that Saudi main event somehow, don't we, at this point? Whoever that figure that. is. Yeah, that would be good. The, the thing that just jumps out to me, though, is there, like, at the end, you don't hear the crowd shitting on it at all. They're just, like, going along with it and things. And, like, you were into the ballot, you know, Yeah, you know, like, mm. I mentioned this the, 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 the other week. I think now when you think about the crowds that like got behind Daniel Bryan and got behind like CM Punk and there were, there were the whole like Raw after WrestleMania crowd shitting on everything like that, all them people have just gone away. They all just watch AEW now, so they're all so you have almost got that pocket of people in the crowd who uh, you know are gonna shit on things like this, and it almost just gives them that fucking just creative license to just go with this bullshit because they're just all the brain-dead WWE crowd who are just going to clap their hands like fucking flippers and just think everything's great and just, like, you know, keep ro- keep rolling with it. I think the days of the crowd taking control and pushing pushing the, you know, changing change creative, like something like the Daniel Bryan stuff, that's probably just never going to happen again because everyone's mm-hmm. just too prepared to go on, on with it. And then all of us who go, yeah, this is bullshit, we want something better or we want something different, we've just fucked off and we just watched AEW now or they got watched New, J- New Japan and then went to AEW or something like that. They've just gone down that path as other stuff became more accessible. So this ain't getting better anytime soon. No, no chance. It's not. And we'll continue to, to dive in just to laugh at it and to call them cunts, but if <laughs> you want your serious... Uh, but felt for, did you see Paul Pollock and Wade did the uh, remind of Raw this week? They didn't get one bit of feedback on Raw. <laughs> not one. <laughs> Nothing. Because <laughs> like, no one cares. No, no one feels strong enough to get... I mean, I thought it was cool to hurt business back. Like, I don't know why they split them up in the first place, but I saw that spoiler and said, oh, that's cool. Still not watching three hours for it, though, you know? Yeah. It's funny, I mean, I go through the results and they just leave my mind, mm. like, immediately afterwards. Like, they're, they're, they're events that take place. But it's funny because you hear a lot of the word hot-shotting being used mm. and saying, well, they hot-shotted Brian, uh, sorry, Danielson versus um, Omega. And you're going, well, actually, no, because that's clearly now leading to another storyline and stuff like that. Mm. Whereas the idea that they're going to end, they, they like, announced Big E Lashley, which they ended up doing twice, on Raw, so they had like a like a fuck finish in the opener, and then they had a steel cage match afterwards. So you've kind of gone to an, a rematch and then a blow off match in the same night, the day after the pay per view, where they're fighting on. From what I saw of it, not a bad opening match, to be honest with you. Like with the, the like, it's kind of the new day of fun and entertaining. And I remember thinking to myself, wouldn't Big E versus Kofi Kingston be an interesting direction and feud to go in? Above anything else they're kind of doing at the moment. Mm. Good inbuilt story. They don't need to be together anymore. Oh, they'll just put them up in the draft like... next week. And that'll be the end of it. Yeah. 
<laughs> Vince yeah. will realise the hurt business are back together again and split them up as well. Like, there's no reason to invest. Don't bother. Um, but yeah, there you go. There's your, uh, there's your monthly WWE analysis from us. Don't bother. Um, <laughs> but <It's done. laughs> we can talk about some of the good stuff as a lead-in. We can talk about some, uh, some AEW. And since we, we did do that Thursday spotlight, uh, there has been more uh, Grand Slam stuff. I almost felt like people were a bit disappointed. We were a little bit negative about that um dynamite on, on Thursday. I think it was coming in and being disappointed in the rating, wasn't it? It kind of soured all of our takes for one of the greatest TV matches of all time and a, and a very good TV show. And I would like to say I'm going to turn that round now, but I didn't, I didn't really enjoy this Rampage uh, Grand Slam. I'm hoping you guys were bigger fans than me. Maybe it's the fact that I decided to stay up late for it. It was uh, quite a funny one as well because it got to about 10 to 3. And I tried to uh, load it up on Fight. I don't know if you saw this, JP, where uh, Fight would um, I put the wrong time on it. It wasn't due to start till four. And I was like, I have not stayed up on a Friday night to watch Rampage on a fucking hour delay for two hours. So, like, so I did a tweet about it, kicking off a fight. And they're like, oh, our good friends are Fight. And then five minutes later, they fixed it. And then they sent us a little message saying, oh, thanks, Ben. I appreciate the heads up. And it's like, fuck, did I just fix that for the entirety of Europe? I think maybe I did. It's only anyone else was up at that point. But um, that was a close one. More than Europe, mate. I know, the Australians as well, they were very, very thankful as well. So that was a funny experience. And then I watched the thing and yeah, I don't need the show to ever go two hours, lads. I think uh, an extra hour on a Friday is already a, a tough tax. I found this a really, mm. really rough watch uh, once it got into hour two. And that fucking, um, this is Rampage theme kept going over and over again. Like how many ad breaks do you fucking need, America? Like it was awful like they need to do something just do the picture in picture or show me some ads it's the opening music sorted out do a do a fight show me spider nate wegg cupping in the kitchen i don't i don't care like i can't i can't deal with like this music anymore and my god to the drag it just felt like that idea of doing that's gonna be the intro now isn't it this is rampage the, the AW music's so crap though, isn't it? Like when they bring, when they bring in original themes, amazing. Don't get me wrong, but that fucking DJ, whatever his name is, who like, who, as far as I'm concerned, should have lost his job to Jim Johnston like two years ago when Jim Johnston got sacked by WWE. Like, ah, oh, all of that original music so generic. The Dynamite theme's not very good itself, but the Rampage one takes the biscuit. Get hot tag media in. That's what. Right <laughs> <laughs> what is it with wrestling music? It just doesn't work, does it? Original themes. Um, I mean, I will say the Adam Cole theme is fucking great. Like, uh, mm. as a wrestling sort of theme. Come I mean, on. it's a rip-off, though, isn't it? Like, he, he did an interview where he was like, oh, no, I made oh, yeah. an original theme. I, I, it was nothing to do with, like, the, the Adam Cole legs. It's like, fuck off, mate. You literally stole the entire thing. It's full-on Jimmy Hart rip-off levels. What are you on about? Um, <laughs> I'll give him that. It's a good song, though. Um, Mikey yeah. Ruckus, that's his name. But yeah, I mean, music aside, Rampage did last Simon said that in the chat. It felt like a slog. It felt every bit of the uh, the two hours um, that it was. I'll be honest, you know, Liam's mentioned there homicide. I I feel ungrateful. I should be like jumping up and down that homicide did an AEW appearance. That didn't really make any sense and wasn't very well executed either. And it was already five in the morning at that point. So I was, you know, I was excited to see Homicide, but I wasn't excited with the the way they did it. And yeah, like I don't know, but Lone Highlight for me, the show was probably there. I really enjoyed the uh, the Young Bucks Adam Cole Jurassic Express and Christian match. The Punk match was fun, but I've got issues with 
that even taking place in the first place. I don't know. Am I alone on an island with my negativity on this show, lads? I didn't dislike it as much as you. I mean, in mm. some ways, this kind of felt more like Dynamite than what Dynamite did. Right, yeah. Like in terms of having an angle and the things like that in it. I'm probably on an island in the sense that, I mean, I didn't know the spoilers. So, yeah, I'd agree with you with, with the with, with the six man. So the whole MMA angle, I was like, I was kind of laughing while simultaneously kind of loving it, especially just Masvidal's involvement there towards the end. Like, so, but I realized there's going to be people who, obviously, the match wasn't wasn't good, and like you know, may not like the angle or be interested in that stuff. But for me, I was like kind of pissing myself laughing, going, "This is fucking great." absolutely loved it and i think i mean the way i watched it was in two one hour blocks which isn't what you did and i completely agree i never want i don't want to go two hours Mm. i've got a note on the rating that i think is is a very interesting one but um the overall as a show there's stuff on this that could have done with being on dynamite if it Mm. made any sense one of those like that multi-man tag oh totally with santana and ortiz and that because as a match for what it was, that's the kind of thing that needed to be on that dynamite, like to, even to a degree after um, Danielson versus Omega, like because I think that that might have kept up the momentum a little bit more. That's the kind of stuff they should have had on there. But having two of those on the same show, so it felt like that they got the structures kind of wrong between mm. them ever so slightly, and it does make a difference, especially if you're watching every week. Mm. Yeah, I think that's it, Gareth. Like, I think maybe it's structurally more than ever. Maybe I'm too into yours, you know, a show that gave us, you know, for my faults with it, I'll mention it in a minute, the Punk Heart Power Horse Hobbs match and that Young Bucks Adam Cole six-man should be talking positively about it. It was maybe more that second hour and how long it kind of dragged out afterwards. I don't know if you had the same feeling watching it on, a, on replay over the weekend. Yeah, I mean, I think i'm probably i'm glad i didn't probably watch it at 4am in the morning or something like that because uh, it would it would have felt like a slog it did take me a few attempts to watch this i did try and stupidly watch it on the train coming back from leeds on saturday night when i was pissed but <laughs> fell asleep before i think uh before punk and Hobbs had even locked up i think and <laughs> woke up woke up in liverpool later that's finished then kind of thing but um but yeah I, I, to me there was just like an odd feeling about yeah i don't know if I don't know if it was like when it was re- because of when it was recorded and things like that. It kind of just felt like a bit of an, like an exhibition show or something. It mm. almost just felt a bit kind of like I don't know. After even the Lord it, Mayor's show, isn't it? Yeah, yeah the crowd even were muted though, as even, well. Even though there was like things in there that were angles that have been built over weeks, it, it, it kind of just felt like a little bit of a standalone show, and some of it just sort of felt a little bit kind of. I don't know, inconsequential, and maybe it was the crowd or something like that. I don't know. It just sort of just felt a bit, a bit, a bit flat in parts. And there were, like you say, there were some bits that I enjoyed in there. I think you know, I enjoyed that Punk Hobbs match. I enjoyed the, mm. you know, the the Cole and Bucks tag match. I enjoyed that you know angle with the um, with the MMA lads and things like. But it just, I don't know. I, I was kind of the same. It just left me a bit flat. And again, I don't know if it's just because with Rampage, you're just used to that kind of punchy one hour, three matches in and done. And it's got that kind of like high tempo to it and things like that. I think some of the stuff there where, you know, when you're getting into the realms of, you know, you're in that second hour and it's like, you know, fucking Matt Hardy's on your screen. It's <laughs> like that, you know, it's just nice. a bit like, really, do we need this? You know, kind of thing. And it's like throwing out the, 
Deanna Jay and Penelope Ford thing. And I'm thinking, like, haven't I, haven't I seen this? Did I see this the other day? Or did I see this last week and things? Mm-hmm. I just felt a bit repetitive and, and things like that. You sort of almost feel like you could have took the best bits of this and just cut this down to an hour and it would have been yeah. a nice, tidy one-hour show that actually would have felt like a really fucking good show. But, you know, it was just – it was other than the other than clearly the test of the two hours and splitting the ratings and things like that and, you know, playing to that, you know, that crowd and audience that it was in – you know, it just 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 felt unneeded and unnecessarily, and it definitely left me thinking, "Don't want this in the future. Just want Rampage to just be that nice, nice, tidy one hour." Yeah, let's hope it's a test that the result is. Let's not do this again. I mean, you you mentioned JP had some interesting takes on the rating, and that was kind mm. of establishing the rating, wasn't it? I mean, it still would have been number one in cable for the night, but the drop off from hour one to hour two was substantial, and you know, and that's a bunch of Americans who didn't have to sit through that rampage um, theme for the, the second hour. So, you know, even of it, on its own merits, that second hour struck. True, I think the note about the rating though is that's a strong number for that time of night. Still, if you're getting over half a million, which I mean, we were always saying like half a million was the kind of benchmark number for Rampage there, and it's true. It's it's being for for, for for dynamite initially, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> like when yes. dynamite first latched, they were talking half a mil for dynamite, and then they're doing that at fucking midnight 11, on a Friday. On a Friday. Yeah, 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 I mean that's pretty mad. Like that's a lot. I know there's a drop off, but that kind of would have been expected as well. So, so, you know, and and then you're up you're up against late night TV hmm. at that point, aren't you? You're up against your Jimmy Fallon's and your Jimmy Kimmel's and the and the rest. So you are you are up against the like kind of like a different sort of TV universe that you're getting into. But it's 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 still I don't want them to do this. If they ever got an extra hour of TV, I think we've we've said it before. You you get that kids hour in. You get that thing. In that you can show in the afternoon, which might be effectively some aspects of AEW Dark, along then with some highlights of Dynamite that you can get away with showing during the day as well. And you do that in mid afternoon. But I think the idea of a one hour TV program, I've not seen any criticism of it. My fear is if they do good numbers with this stuff, and obviously it looks great on TV, then it won't win. I don't think we're that far away from them getting asking it to expand it to two hours if they're viewing that type of rating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just it's weird for me because I'm kind of watching it going. If there's only five six hundred thousand people watching it, is there a point? <laughs> like, like that's kind of like, like, like and, and, and I know the first hour did better than that, but mm. like, I'm not. I, I mentioned it the other week. I didn't want to like pull the trigger on the take because I wanted to see how things shake shook out. Putting CM Punk on this show, I, I I don't know how I feel. Like, I know Punk wants to... I mean, it's a big show. It's in New York. It's in front of all these people. There's that side of it. CM Punk wants to work young wrestlers, so, you know, you're probably going to give him what he wants. But I didn't... I, I just felt it. I was made up to see him in the trunks. Thought the match was good work. It felt like a struggle. It was a fight. You know, there, there were positives to take from the individual segment. But I don't know how I feel about Punk. Like, it felt like... It feels like he's already just a part of the roster. I, I feel like CM Punk singles matches should be special. I feel like CM Punk's second singles match should be main event in a Dynamite, at least. And it, maybe it's against Hobbs. Personally, I would rather it be against somebody higher up on the car. But you know, you can make your argument for Hobbs. I don't know. I don't want. I mean, it's. I think it's partly because Brian's coming, and you know, they've been doing the Brian Omega stuff, and that's the headline. And unfortunately, you know, the the positive of getting all these guys come at once is AEW's clearly got a shot in the arm. But the negative is that 
doesn't feel that special Punk being in AEW. I watched the show, I was like, oh yeah, CM Punk's wrestling, cool. Like, I don't know, what do you think, Gareth? Exactly the same feeling. Like, I was I was watching this, and it was, you know, as a match and things like that, it was fine. You know, I've given it, like, you know, it was a gentleman's three match, you know, it was a fine team, you know, it was a, you know, perfectly acceptable TV match. But in the middle of the match, I was drifting away to my phone and then kind of, and I was like looking at my phone and then I was thinking like, what are you doing? CM Punk's wrestling on TV. And I was like, I was like how long, I was like, how long have you been waiting for this kind of thing? Like how long yeah. have you been like dreaming of CM Punk wrestling again? So you can, you know, watch him again. And I was like, no, watch the fucking match. And then, and then I don't know that, like that Brian point kind of thing as well. Like, to, like Punk came across as being like, I don't know. It kind of, but in that match, it almost felt like his old guy who's been out of wrestling for a while on his journey back to something, which is fine, kind of thing, if that's the story he's telling. But in the same week when you've just watched Brian killing it and things in that match, I think it it created to to me. It sort of almost created a visible gap between Brian and Punk this 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 week for me. Which you know, I know you know that. You know, people would argue does and always has existed from a ring work perspective or something like that. But I think it was that sort of specialness. Like I don't know, it just mm. didn't, it didn't, it didn't have that buzz or, mm. or spark about it. And yeah, I was I was kind of yeah. like getting annoyed at myself for not been not been as into it as I uh, as I should have been. Do you not think the problem is is that he already appeared earlier in the night That's after true. the after the Danielson Omega match? So you're not going to get that big initial pop of him coming out for it to feel like that. Plus the and crowd was used to it anyway, both, both yeah. in what they sounded like and also in the edit. Like the edit is a that audio edit of AW's tape mm. shows is fucking appalling. I think that took away from it too. Sorry, JP. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, you know, and it's it's one of those things where it, it wouldn't have felt as special to that audience because they've already had that moment where he comes out after that match and... Like then, and it's all very well with the benefit of hindsight. But then, when you look at the way that it's structured, it's like you're not going to get that for, you know, for the Hobbs match. And like you say, I can see your point. I don't know what it is, but I'd almost felt, in a way, I was starting to feel that way about him when he was just coming out and doing happy punk in front of the crowd, and they get to sing along with a bit of cult personality, and mm. he might do a dive into them and the rest of it. I was thinking at that point, I was like, this is pretty aimless. Yeah. And that's the issue. And I think you get to the larger kind of booking point where you've got two different strategies going on. And the one of putting Danielson at the top of the card in great matches, building up to the thing with Omega is like, that's kind of booking 101. And it's like, it feels like that's that's how you want to use him. You know, he gets to have those reps in the ring on the build up to the pay-per-view. Um, but with Punk, it feels like what young guys is he wanting to work with at this point and kind of prove he wants to work with them. Cause I think there's an element of look at me. Yeah. yeah I'm coming back and I'm doing business, you know, mm. putting the young guys over. So mm. there's, there, there is that element of like, he's kind of allowed to drift between these. And I, you know, again, there's a match itself. It was like, good. I've always liked powerhouse. I've, I've always liked powerhouse Hobbs. I love that spine buster. Hmm. He did to him as well, and he was going. For, I think he was going for the, the GTS, GTS counter, wasn't it? Yeah, hmm. the GTS counter. And I know he looked like it was kind of sloppy because that's did, part of the I thing thought. with. But I liked, I, I liked the the idea of it being the counter to the GTS. Hmm. Sorry, no, no, you're right. I, it just felt like he didn't catch his leg the way he was kind of supposed to, yeah. and I, I wasn't raving about that spot like everyone else. But that aside, no, it was a good. Like those little ugly moments in the match, including that dangerous one on the top rope kind of added to it in a way. I was thinking of you, Gareth, watching it going, I think Gareth will like this because 
it felt like a real struggle because of those little moments. It didn't feel like they were cooperating. It felt like it was a bit ugly. But by the end of it, I was like, I felt like it was an end win for Punk. I think the, the the contents of the match was good. I gave it three and a half stars on Grapple. I could have gone higher. Um, but, you know, my criticism is more the, the, the more broader stroke stuff with Punk. Yeah, I mean, let's say I, I, I give it three stars. To me, it was like it was it was fine as a as a TV match, and I think that sort of like the struggle side of it maybe just like bleed into that earlier point that I made about him. It almost you know punk looking like someone who's on his comeback journey, like in terms of his in ring work and whether that's that's um, intended or not, kind of thing. Like I don't know if it's intended, then it's it's great if it's great work. But I still you know I still. Took, took positives out of it and you know I think some of the way that I don't know like I, I, I was I was questioning can can he even hold him on his shoulders for the fucking GTS and things like that you know like looking at the size difference and things you know and just uh, you, you know that, you know that was delivered you know okay in the end I think that you know that clunky spot off the top with it where he fucking landed head first and things you know I did enjoy that for the the clunkiness of it kind of thing as well but I don't know it's a second match and I know it's like it's it's one of these I'm not going to go fucking overboard and it, like, it'd, be, it'd be very easy to kind of um I don't know jump jump on things but I, I, yeah I don't, I, I don't know I'm, I'm in the same boat as you really that it just it, it feels like it should feel more special and and maybe it's just a case of you know I think you were talking about it last week like Benno you just Maybe this feud not been right, or some things you you want him to get him to a place where he can get his teeth into something mm. um, as, as as quickly as as possible. And again, maybe this is maybe this is us again. Maybe just like kind of accelerating our expectations yeah. too quickly and things like that. And this stuff is to come. You know, you know we will see it. But um, but uh, but yeah, just for just for this occasion and things like that. It just it it just felt a little bit off. But. You know, like we've said, the whole show kind of felt that way as well, really. So again, maybe it's it's one that I don't know. I kind of came away from it with that where I said previously about that exhibition show in mind, and I kind of almost feel like I don't know. This things might change this week from the you know like the dynamite standpoint and things like that. It might feel like that was just a it was a, it was a pretty much a standalone show. We talked about dynamite last week, almost feeling like a pay per view and things like that. So maybe there's that element of progression and things like that that we'll see we'll see from now. Definitely, and I, I was just going to say as well, it's just bro. Brandon's just um, as Liam's um, putting in the chat, put the the quarter hours off the rampage, and we've got the graphic here for video viewers. Look at that, eight hundred six thousand total for the the wow. punk for the punk match. <laughs> It's a fucking downward line, isn't it? Down to five hundred thousand for the main event. Again, it's the time, isn't it? And it's you know clearly that yeah. second hour. I think it also dragged, which didn't help as well. But that's that's quite uh, shocking to see, isn't it? Four hundred sixty-one thousand in the key demo though for the punk segment. So you know clearly the uh, the big draw of the show. But like that's almost it's not quite half. But like you know, yeah, getting there as far as uh, as far as that trend goes. Are you shocked by that at all, JP? I'm shocked by the size of that because that's a big, that's a that's a that's a big old number, mm. like for them. And they'll be looking at that and going, right, what are they going to? You get to play Mookie Ball on on Friday nights now, mm. so you can see him messing around with those kind of quarter numbers. I mean, again, I think that the the second hours, I'm more inclined to go. I, I would expect it to do that. I mean, in some, right ways, in some I mean, ways, yeah, it is a write off. But then they did, you know, what half a million at midnight. 
Mm. Like that's True. that in and of itself. If you if you're saying that, it's like Jesus, we're doing something right if we're yeah. getting that many people at, at that stage. TNT, so, look at look at, look at that graphic. drop off. Look at that drop off though. Eleven fifteen to the following quarter there, like yeah. six hundred and fifty seven down to five hundred and forty three. Like you've got you know that you've that's that. Uh, Hardy. Hardy family match there, but <laughs> you know we've we've we've, we've lost we've lost one hundred and ten thousand viewers there from like you know six hundred and fifty. So you've lost like a sixth of your audience as yeah. uh, 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 dipped there. Like, and I know it's eleven fifteen, and people are like, "Oh, well, hang on, see what's coming next. Go to bed, kind of thing and stuff." But fucking hell, that's a big dip at that p- <laughs> at that point. Jeez. It's eleven o'clock now. We're still doing all right live, you know. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the Brits are uh, more willing to stay. I hate that, by the way. When the show was on, there were literally Americans on my timeline going, "Can't believe we've got to stay up to midnight for wrestling." I was like, "Fuck you! It's five in the morning. You can't." <laughs> <laughs> It's like yeah, it's the same on pay per view nights, isn't it? Got no, uh, got no staying power. The Americans, but yeah, well, uh, they complain if it's on, um, if if SummerSlam's on in the afternoon. Mm, Probably they're going to complain about that as well. That's how we get our revenge, JP. That's how we get our revenge. Um. Well, I'd wonder how many American fans would enjoy watching a pay per view on a Sunday afternoon. Actually, Mm. Mm. that's. I'd be honest. I think I love the idea of that. Like, (laughs) I, I think that's. Well, well, you hear you hear it when um, when they run the NFL games over here, mm. and then you know, so they're obviously like done at British times, and then you like see American NFL fans talking about how oh, it's great watching a you know watching depending on whereabouts they are from a time zone perspective and the kickoff time here, like watching watching a game, having your breakfast or watching a game, yeah. like just having having brunch or something like that. It's unique and it creates a bit of a spectacle for like that audience of it standing out a bit different. Well, so you know, sister says that about the Premier League. Mm. Oh, my cousin says that. Get up eight yeah. in the morning, have your breakfast, watch the game. That's it. She's like brilliant. I get to watch all the football, and I'm kind of done by like I don't know two o'clock on a Saturday. It's the G1 when it was like, good, mate. Same thing. It is, isn't it? Mm. With a shocking lack of G1 coverage this year, which they brought upon themselves entirely, frankly. <laughs> and if we put up a picture of it, I'm sure we'll end up having the show blocked and banned or something if we use it in the show images. <laughs> Good so, point. I'll be careful. Yeah. You just give me flashbacks about uh, me and Sarah in New York, and I was, uh, I think I was in the pub at fucking 8am watching Everton Stoke, like having a pint at fucking 8am watching Everton Stoke. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's awful. I'm sorry, mate. <laughs> And it was never in doubt that you were going to watch that game, were you? Yeah. We're, we're, we're in New York. What are we going to do? Oh, let's go to that pub and watch Everton Stoke. You fucking hell. What was the score out of curiosity? Probably nil-nil. Oh, fuck knows. One-nil, Kale. Probably. I just I just spent the 90 minutes just winding her up about all these out-of-town blues. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Um, well, anyway, back back to rampage. Um, any any notes on the uh, the individual segments in the show? I want to, I do want to reference. You know, I don't want to be all negative. I did really love Young Bucks Adam Cole against Jurassic Express and Christian. So you know, if you can make me feel like I might actually be a fan of Adam Cole now, that you know, I don't think they're getting Punk totally right. I think they're getting Adam Cole hundred percent right. Like he has been presented so well in this company. We were worried about him coming in too high up the card. This role as the third man with the young books is perfect. Kenny can go off and do other stuff. He can be with them. Strap him up. Give him the trio titles now. Let's go because this division will be fucking molten hot with those lads in there. I love this. I thought this was great. Yeah, and what like like you say, 
the star presentation with him. It's really like shocked me because I, I thought with the weight of people that they, you know, coming in essentially at the same time as Punk and Daniel Bryan, I just thought there just isn't space for him there to appear like a, a, a top star at, at that level, especially in the mix with some of the other guys who were already there. But like, guy oh, does, he, he feels absolutely over as fuck with the crowd, doesn't he? Like the, the pops he's getting every single time are absolutely fantastic. And, and I think the way they're producing it as well, because like the, when he came out for their, you know, the books theme was very, very short, wasn't it? It was all about Adam Cole, that entrance. In, in fact, you hadn't even seen Adam Cole, like, sorry, you hadn't even seen the books throughout the whole thing. The camera was on him all the way up until the boom and things like that. It was, you, you'd have almost have not even known it was a six month tag. They just, they just didn't put that focus on him. And then obviously, you know, so much, so much of the match was built around Cole just getting these like spots, be it like the little thing with the kiss from the books or whether so it was the stuff with the, with the finish and the end and things like that. It was all very kind of like centralizing him and yeah. Fair play to the guy. He looks like a fucking star. He looks. He looks like a. You know. Looks like there's a lot of mileage and a lot of money in him. Yeah, absolutely. Any thoughts on that or anything uh, else, JP? It was interesting watching. Sorry, mate. I was going to say, looking at the, sorry, some of the crowd reactions when he was coming out, and it, it was like quite often you seen that the kids losing their losing the plot to it, and I just wrote down on here. He's so much more popular than we think he is, than mm. what he is to us. I think he just somehow connects. I mean, he's a relatively young guy, and what, for whatever reason, people like him, and he comes across as an absolute star. So I'd completely go with um, what you guys said. I will say, like, just a shout-out for that Jungle Boy, Boy spot when he did the Hurricanrana into the German. That was absolutely fucking mental as well. And I, yeah, I, like, I loved it. It was exactly what it needed to be. Mm. Um, like for that kind of match, and it was just like a hell of a lot of fun, mm. and it was like the most enjoyable thing, like from a from a wrestling perspective on this show by by quite a margin. Mm. Yeah. Definitely. What do you think of the MMA uh, fighters, JP? That's what I want you. Mate, to I loved it. <laughs> I fucking loved it. I absolutely loved it. I didn't know it was going to happen, right? So it was really funny because he came out and he was like, "Was I wrong on this?" Everyone's like sung Jericho's song and then just sat on their hands. There are a lot of the match. It felt quite boring. It was boring. Yeah. Just say as it. Men of the year are miscast massively. They are massively miscast in this. Mm. However, when the post-match stuff happened, I was like, all right, okay, so what can they do out of this? It's like, the, the, you know, Hager's not going to UFC, but you see what Junior Dos Santos and Arlovsky out there, who in theory, if you, you know, if this was the 70s, you'd have trained them up and sent them out there in six months' time as a massive fucking hoss tag team, wouldn't you? The, <laughs> scaring the shit out of all Japan crowds and, and the rest of it. How, like, when they came out and it was like Paige Van Sant and her boyfriend, who, whoever he is, it was like, oh, okay, this is kind of, like, weird. This could be awful. But as soon as Masvidal came out in that, I don't know if it was a Dolce & Gabbana, like, kind of whatever, like, tracksuit that was, and he came out as well, I was like, all right, this is fucking interesting. And it was, like, admittedly, I'm partly laughing at it because mm. it looked like, like I just thought, does Andre Arlovsky and Junior or Santos genuinely know how to work a punch? <laughs> Have they ever worked punches in there? I think life? they were just digging swagger. <laughs> they were just fucking digging into him. Yeah. Absolutely digging into him. And there's a reason why Paige Van Sant, if she wants to get into wrestling, like immediately she she knew where that hard cam was and no fucking mistake you know yeah. so when she did that and she did the sort of locked and loaded like kind of like 
punch exchange to his belly. I, I was like laughing at that. Yeah. And I wasn't expecting Masvidal to do anything for some weird reason. But when he did that knee and then they said he's been Askrand, I was like, I love this. Like, obviously from an angle, I don't think it's going to probably work out well. The match won't be good, whatever we get out of that. But for this moment of like watching a show where it was feeling like there's those points where it feels really like kind of Attitude Era and Monday Night Wars when mad shit is happening. And you're like, what the fuck is this? And this is mad. This is the kind of mad shit you mean. This is a storyline that could easily be dropped in like a month for whatever reason. They have fights, all the rest of it. Masvidal gets a big money contract and off he goes into camp and the rest of it. But I enjoyed this for what it was. Masvidal versus Jericho, I, I could happily watch that. And Tyson. I don't know. You know if he it, wants to get him back in. I bet you. I know. Again. And if you end up with Tyson and Masvidal squaring off in a ring and you just go, the world has gone mental. Like, that kind of stuff to, to throw Ooh. in there. So, yeah. That was, that it, was an interesting note from um, Brandon Howard at uh, Mucky Garner on uh, the WrestleNomics uh, podcast this week, <laughs> which is an interesting watch because it's Mucky's baby, isn't it? And you can kind of tell it's 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 weird because he's the guest, but it's really his. But Mookie was saying, like, when they talk to TV executives, it's not always, like, the numbers. It's not always, like, oh, we're doing better in the demo than Raw or whatever. They want to know, oh, we had Shaq. Oh, we did this with that celebrity. They eat that shit up. Like, so they probably eat yeah. that right up. Yeah. Masvidal's big name. Like, you know, it's, he was the one who got the pop. I mean, mm. I, you know, I know we know who Arlovsky and Junior Dos Santos is, and even Paige Van Sant to a degree. But do we? Masvidal does mean something currently. I know he's not going to end up being champion again, but he, he had that big BMF fight. He's got that kind of highlight reel knockout of the knee. Is the fact he can do those promos and that kind of stuff. It's that's the stuff that's kind of really got in there. I mean, he's recorded and he's, he's you know he's lost double figure fights and stuff. It's but the way he carries himself, and I suppose for a lot of them, they're thinking there's a couple of big matches in this. It's some big money, and I don't have to get literally fucking need in the face potentially in order in order to do it but and also thought he worked the knee safely and the way he landed as well and got back up i thought they he actually he worked the spot kind of well i thought he looked good and, 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 I think with, and i think with that though as well is like just from that then i like your what you're saying better about like um just these these different celebrities and things like that that are involved. They've almost had that little sprinkling in a lot of different areas, haven't they? So they've had like the um, they've had the uh, basketball thing with both Shaq and um, who was who was the guy? I can't, <laughs> it was, oh, yeah. he was he was unknown to me, know. but he was obviously you know oh, massive star. Janet. Yeah, Janice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just think yeah, friends. Mate. Yeah, you got there. Obviously, you just had sort of you know you had the Mike Tyson stuff, you had the Rosario Dawson stuff, and things. They're just it's almost like they're just trying to. To like sprinkle little kind of I suppose little pop culture or little sort of segments of society things there where again you just I don't know just raise this awareness in like different areas amongst different pockets of people where it's popping up on you know, I don't know sports pages or showbiz pages or things like that just just little elements and and again that doesn't necessarily convert to immediate like viewers or anything like that but it's just more people that if you went do you know what AEW is oh yeah I do mm-hmm. kind of thing as well and it's almost them first like steps and build, building blocks to like building the brand really as well so you know yeah. I think it's something they're very very clever with and do very well 
Totally. It's it's a public consciousness thing, isn't it? Mm. And they'll do anything to, and you've got to do it in multiple ways. Like I saw Orange Cassidy, and I think was it Anthony Bowens appeared on MLB Central. That's all it needs. And it was Orange Cassidy acting like Orange Cassidy. Now there'll be a few people go away from that, like Gareth says, who'll just know what AEW is. Mm. They may not like it, they may not care, but they'll know what it is. And that's like we said this about those next steps of taking it from the one point three million up to the high kind of closer to 2 million stuff. It's stuff like that hitting in the zeitgeist, isn't it? And so they're going to do it and they're going to try stuff. Why is Bray Wyatt AEW and Bray Wyatt Rochester trending? Sorry, I just saw it on Twitter. That's terrifying. Oh, no. <laughs> Somebody in the chat tell us is there's a news broker or something. I don't think it has. I think people are just talking about it. Um, <laughs> hopefully we don't have to come back around to that. But um, before we do, before we get to the main event, I suppose, any thoughts on the uh, the HFO, Lucha Brothers, Santana and Ortiz tag and uh, Anna J. Penelope Ford? Um, I, I felt bad for Santana and Ortiz not getting a big. I feel like they yeah. should have got a proper match. I'll, I'll just do yeah. them and Lucha Brothers or something on this show. Or uh, yeah, it, it was a match. It was a fun, flippy match, and Anna J and Pelvis Ford was a, a decent woman's match. If uh, nothing special, I was definitely flagging at that point in the show. Yeah, the the only bit that I would say jumped out and I enjoyed on this part of the card was um, was uh, Miro lashing Fuego del Sol <sighs> off the stage. Just that like, commentary. I just. <laughs> I just, uh, I was, I was, I was, I was loving that that little segment. That was kind of the, that was like the saving oh, yeah, grace in, in, this, in this, in in this little bit there. That was a is Taz and Ricky every time. I'll agree with And that's when the com- that's when the commentary picked up. Like I felt like he really took a long time to find his feet, Ricky Starks, um, on the on, on the commentary on this show. But then when they when they kind of had the little bits like that, and they had the little stuff that during the ad breaks where it was still live and things like that, it was almost like he just got a bit more confidence, or he just. Uh, Got a few more lines to just uh, stick the boot in on a few occasions and things, but yeah, thoroughly enjoyed that bit. That was one of the uh, standout bits on the old show for me. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was great stuff. I would go. That, I mean, I, I would. I mean, we haven't talked about the main event. I was, I was bored. I was disappointed. It was like. It, I mean, I should be the high man on this. because The crowd was knackered, and <sighs> I was. Homicide turned up on AWJF. I should be fucking dancing in the street. And on fair sight, I was like, fucking Homicide. They got it so wrong. You know, like, I just feel like Eddie Kingston back in New, in New York with the 20,000 people should be the story. And it, it didn't really feel as special as it should have felt. The match was a... Typical, like you forget, you know, the, you know, Suzuki and Archer have got these types of matches in them, just a boring plunder fest, which was what it was. And then Homicide, as much as I love him, like coming out to that terrible song, hitting a couple of crap chair shots, and then just rolling out, and then like making Moxley and Kingston look like utter goobers who needed their mate to to win this. It wasn't like the the odds were stacked against them in any way. Why did it happen? You know, there was an assumption that the audience is going to know Homicide was. And to be honest, that was it was nice to see that New York audience, you know, react. And he got, he did get a big pop. But even when he got in the ring, it's like, he didn't, like I say, he didn't do anything. It wasn't like, I know he can't hit cop killers on on, a, on Archer, but like, there wasn't any like big pop moment in the match. There wasn't anything watching it where I go, if I didn't know Homicide was, I think this is a big deal. Come out of it. It just didn't work. It felt like something for the house rather than something that should have been on TV. And I fucking love Homicide. And I'll mention it as well in a minute. I can talk about it. I watched this match, match with Suzuki from GCW, which I did enjoy to a level. But yeah, I don't I really understand what they were trying to achieve here. And I think it just detracted from what really should have been the focus of this thing. Just didn't enjoy it. 
Yeah, I just I, I just thought it came off a bit flat as well, and I, and I was thinking, mm. am I just taking this as been a bit flat because this is kind of how I'm feeling about the show in general, or was it this you know this spot as a whole? But yeah, I just think the whole presentation of it was 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 a bit weird where. You know, he saw his name on the ramp <laughs> things, and then the commentators, one was like, "It's homicide," and they're like, "Like, is it?" And then it was yeah. like, "It says his name on the ramp," kind of thing, and yeah. that was a bit like for, for the TV audience. That, that was a bit, a bit off. And you then, should have just come out the crowd at that, that point. I don't think like yeah. it's nice to give him that moment, but it, you can't even use like Beanie Siegel. You can't leave his proper entrance. Just don't do it in that case. Just have him come out the crowd in a bandana and. <laughs> Do something more interesting. I don't know. It didn't work. But it, but but he didn't even. But but because of it though as well. Like I, I then largely the lack of involvement that he had. Hmm. Then it's it's kind of like this big thing with the ramp, and then he sort of does kind of emerge where he emerges, and like and he's sort of like hidden and gone, and you don't, don't nothing yeah. again. Little little of any real consequence or primary focus seemed to come from it. But, you know, it felt quite light and a bit. I, I don't know, understated and things like that, really. So, just as a just as a segment entirely for me, it just it just didn't work. Yeah. And he is um, washed. Homicide is the thing. I fucking love him, but he's washed up. Like he was yeah. washed up in two thousand and eight. Like it's been a long time. I, I don't know if there's legs in an AW run for him. Jamesy said it, and Jamesy's with me. He's like a massive Homicide fan. Like you know, it's one debut too no. many. It was just one too many. I I, I I love Homicide, but why is kind of a and I shouldn't be asking. I think that. it's for the house. Mm. It has to be for the house. I don't think there's like. I mean, he's in that Ring of Honor stable, isn't he? He's in Violence Unlimited. Unlimited yeah, yeah. But then that's that's Ring of Honor that's in front of very small crowds and stuff at the moment. I would say this weekend I listened to. I mean, some people have listened to RBR before, but Will, who is I think finishing up on on there, he was he did a podcast with Barry Ladd this weekend, and he was at the show live, and he said during Homicide's entrance there was a point where. For a lot of people who don't know that it was, all they heard was gunshots for the opening <laughs> of the theme and like kind of looking around the place as well. It's the States. This yeah, shit can happen. Um, you know, it happens in a movie theatre. You know, it happened at a kid's birthday party, frankly, given the fucking amount of guns <laughs> around there. But um, that happened and then all of a sudden you see like the word homicide like on the <laughs> on on the rampway. And it did does make you think, you know, that's that could have come across in terrible taste, couldn't it? That was the case. <laughs> but that made me laugh. That... But the whole entrance thing, I'd agree with you. It's like I I, I hope it's just for the house, because I don't think there's any value in bringing it there. But you clearly was just like a burnt out crowd, mm. like and a and a burnt out audience, really. Watched four hours. I'm sure going back in hindsight, the people who were there, we you know, we're saying these things about these shows as TV viewers. You're going along to it, and you think, oh, all the mad stuff you'd have watched over the the five hours or so you're there. You'd have thought you got your money's worth. Everyone kept saying online, I saw maybe Sean Rassap say it as well as um Will. And I'm glad you mentioned it, Jay. Yeah, best wishes to Will who's retiring from RBR. Mm. Massive influence on this podcast and the structure of it is mm. the uh, RBR wrestling podcast. So uh, check out his last podcast. But like I saw him say it as well. Like it, it, the crowd were louder in person. Apparently, like every segment, it was like, mm. no, it was better than this. Honestly, it was better than this. But it didn't come across on TV. It just didn't. And and I, I you kind of got that feeling from Dynamite as well. It almost felt like there was that bit of delayed reaction or something like that, whether it was just the acoustics of the venue or something like that. Just, I don't know, things just seemed a bit off. They almost seemed like a second behind and things like that when I was watching Dynamite. I think we talked about that last week when we were, you know, we were talking about the, mm. the, the atmosphere and, and crowd work. But just, just coming back to that main event, I think one of the things that just felt like, you know, with that 
main event of Rampage been a bit flat. I, I think I just added in my head that we were just getting Eddie Kingston against Miro for the belt in this state, like in New York. Sure I think we, it, it felt like it was being set up that way, as though that was going to be like the match for this occasion. And I, and I almost feel like that would have been just a bit more. It would have been a more fitting end to the show. I think it would have held the rating better. It would have been a better position for you know Eddie Kingston being in if you're trying to give him this big New York moment and things like that. And maybe even the uh, homicide running in on a match like that might have felt a bit more impactful than in a in a, in a tag team match like this um, as well. But you know, it, it, obviously that's something that's that's coming a, a bit further further down the line. But yeah, that just felt kind of like a, a missed opportunity for me. But Maybe they just thought, you know, it's 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 overkill, you know, if to, mm. just to throw that out there in the mix as well, amongst everything else that's going on in that in that five hour period. But um, but yeah, again, it was it was it was fine. It was a it was a nice average fine main event. But you kind of expect a bit more when you've got those four uh, four guys in the ring in a lights out scenario as well. Definitely. We've got the big Kazen in our A moment, so at least there's that. Uh, we'll be doing a victory lap there because we haven't even mentioned that that happened, but it was cool. Um, but yeah, other than that, it was, yeah, just didn't just didn't feel big time. Um, and yeah, again, I, I, feel, I feel ungrateful. I feel like I should be like, thank you, Tony Khan, for giving home the homicide this moment. But yeah, you got to look at things neutrally and it just didn't work. Um, but yeah, I suppose uh, moving on from AW, and we have had some clarification in the chat. Apparently, uh, Meltzer announced there's a, a, an unannounced big match being taped for Rampage tomorrow, and uh, Law Twitter apparently think it's Bray Wyatt, according to Liam. Um, and yeah, there's been some minor rumors. Andy's mentioned that being being in Rochester, Brody's hometown. God help us um, if that's happening on Wednesday. Not a particularly stacked dynamite they got on Wednesday either. By the way, like there's another Adam Cole singles match on there with uh, is it with Jungle Boy? Um, but other than that, there's not much. Yeah, it's it's not like a heavy duty dynamite. I wouldn't expect it to uh, to beat Raw this week, but you can't have you know can't have Grand Slam every week, can you? So probably got to expect those uh, those kind of weeks coming. Um, but yeah, moving on from uh, from AEW, JP's not here, Gareth. So I'll, I'll give you the uh, give you the choice, mate. What do you want to talk next? Do you want to talk title? Do you want to talk tournament catch up? Do you want to talk dark side of the ring? Up to you, mate. Quick before he comes back. <laughs> Ah, uh, I don't know. Do you want to break up the wrestling and go on to the documentaries? Yeah, we can talk about it. Yeah, definitely. Um, did you watch the the Canyon one? From the, from the watch street? the Canyon one. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, um, so watch the uh, watch the first uh, watch the first two of those because obviously mm. we, we didn't really touch upon it last week, did we? Was the no. uh, plane ride from hell as well? Um, so yeah, watch the f- the mm. first two of those. And uh, I don't know. It just sort of just feels like it's just a continuation for me of just standard. Um, dark side of the ring fair really and that you know mm. there's bits of it that are elements of it that are good elements of it that feel a little bit lazy elements of it that just feel like this is mm. dragging a bit like i think that canyon one for me not one of the better ones um you know i wouldn't you know i didn't think it um i don't know it was, it, it's one of those where sometimes you've got that time that they they fill and sometimes when there's something that's really kind of a bit more meaty and there's a bit more content and substance and things like that that they can that they can get the teeth into it sort of warrants the time whereas i feel like this was one that was maybe just felt a bit a bit stretched out a bit and a lot of you know, you know the the talking heads i don't know weren't necessarily the best on this one sometimes there's the, you know the you get some uh, get some better talking heads involved there i thought like there's maybe some more people in and around at that time period and things like that they could have uh, they could have leaned on a bit more especially sort of from the, the wwe side of things which you know obviously there's certain people that they're not get there but um 
but yeah, I mean, to to me, this one just felt uh, a bit a, a, a bit a bit I don't know a bit more skippable and um, and things really. You know, I think it's sort of obviously it kind of painted that picture of the changing landscape of you know acceptability with wrestling and sort of got you inside the. Um, you know, got you probably inside the head of, you know, Canyon a bit more and, you know, the, um, I suppose the, you know, you know, mental stresses have been in the wrestling industry combined with obviously his own, um, you know, where they, you know, reference things like bipolar and things like that. So, you know, they, they painted that picture quite well, but I didn't walk away from it thinking, yeah, that was a, that was a, a you know, a, a short documentary that really kind of added to things that I already didn't know, or it didn't kind of put a new slant on certain elements and things like that. Really, just I don't know. It was it was one of the one of the worst ones for for me from from that perspective. Oh, interesting. I, I, I suppose I, I'm not really. I mean, I'm a big Canyon fan, so maybe I enjoyed it more for that reason. But I haven't really thought about it in those terms. I just I think I just enjoyed seeing the story be told i get your point mm. probably could have been half an hour and done uh maybe there wasn't that full you know fleshed out material for a full hour there are a couple of talking heads missing as well like i was surprised um raven didn't get a call he even put Ra- raven raven yeah. should have been on there they said they never spoke to him that's what he said he said no one got in touch which i don't know whether they worried about you know the skeletons and raven's closet or what but like i feel like that would have been a call i would have made um i mean positive wise i i did enjoy like i mean i don't really like brian cage but i enjoyed cage in the books maybe offering that you know more current not not completely current but you know what i mean that more like after the wcw side of things of like you know he was somebody we knew afterwards and he like showed us love maybe there's a bit too much of it on the show but i did like that stuff um all in all, though, I kind of I enjoyed Canyon the wrestler maybe getting a little bit of his due. I think the overegged it a bit, you know, and talking about it as one of the greats and stuff. It was like, don't get me wrong, when I was like, you know, twelve to fourteen or whatever old I was watching, you know, Nitro at the time, he was he was knocking around. I thought he was fucking cool as fuck because he was inventing all these moves. You'd put Roar on the next week and Edge would steal everything he did. That was uh, one of the big reasons I hated Edge back in the day because all he did was steal Canyon shit. He was an innovator. He was a great character as well. Like I loved him as um, you know, as part of like uh, the Jersey Triad with DDP and doing the um you know the fake ddp stuff that uh ddp on the documentary talked about as well like and i loved i mean in the alliance as well like for whatever reason you know wwe weren't getting behind people as you know serious threats to the wwe but they're always going to vincent mantle is going to get behind something he thinks is funny and it felt like canyon got like like they said in the documentary uh more of a a push than maybe you would have uh, expected um, for him in WCW, even though it ended sadly. And yeah, I, I see what you mean about it. It's strength as a documentary, but overall, like just looking at it as like a, a Canyon fan, it was just really sad, you know, seeing the deterioration of him. And I don't know if I believe, you know, what he says that he says in the documentary, like James Vandenberg talk about it. Like, do, do we, was he really, you know, sent out there to get battered by the undertaker because he was gay did he really you know get round out of the business because of that or did unfortunately he just have what seemed to be a bit of a, a mental breakdown anyway and the business did chew him up and spit him out and you know the the appearances he did on howard stern where you know rick flair calls in and is brutal about him and cena was brutal about him and you can see it written all over his face that it's just killing him um you know these these like mainstream names giving him grief like i found it really depressing from that point of view and 
you know, genuinely a factor when James Van Der Beek was talking about like, you know, his suicidal thoughts and, you know, and him eventually killing himself. And it was like, I'm not sure what lesson I'm taking from this, but you know, it was genuinely, you know, heartbreaking to to hear how how badly he felt from Grace. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that was it when you you know when I was saying there about like, I don't know, I suppose getting a little bit inside the head of him and things like that and understanding, I suppose, that, you know, his mental health issues and things like that that maybe weren't necessarily even directly associated to his sexuality and things mm-hmm. that, you, you know, there were just those those other other elements as well that, they you know, they built in there, which I suppose kind of fleshed, off, fleshed out the story a little bit more and, it you know, it made, it made um, I don't know, I suppose, understand maybe his perspective or his mindset of maybe thinking this was the case and it maybe not be. I don't want to turn around and definitively say, like, yes or no, this is something that he was subjected to. But, it, you know, it was, it was interesting to see that you had, I don't know, you know, a lifelong friend there, the guy who worked for AEW, who was at WWE at the time, and, you know, he was, he was you know, categorically, you know, it wasn't that way, and you think that, like you know, you, you, he was being you know, a bit like, generous to do the either. They would, they wouldn't have you trained for a year to come back and then just squash you. Yes, they would. <laughs> yes, they would. Yeah, they <laughs> so, yeah, In a heartbeat, they look forward to it every day on the way there. Sorry, my my Wi-Fi because of the pissing rain, Kyle. <laughs> so it's it's like they, they did they did approach it from a few different angles, and um, you know, again, it's people who you may be expecting to. Say, you know, go along with that way of thinking weren't as necessarily extreme down that route as 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 they might have been, or you maybe expected them to be, and and things. So I think it left a you know a, a question mark on 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 certain areas there. I think there's just elements of it that just felt lazy. Like there was the bit where. I don't know. And again, this is just wrestlers telling stories and things like that. But it's where you've got like DDP talking about like like the the mortis. Run and it's been like, oh, the NWA's here now, NWO's here now, and like, oh, my gimmick's done. And you're like, that's not oh, that was after that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. And it was, it was like a little thing, like that was quite One early. The greatest on, mass characters like, of all time. No, he wasn't. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, little, no, wasn't. little, little things like that just kind of take effect, affected the credibility of things like that. This for mm. me as well, kind of thing. And I think it was probably one of the other reasons where I was kind of watching it and just a bit like, eh, turn, you know, turned off, turned off about it. Uh, about it i mean don't get me wrong it was a an hour's documentary about wrestling so it's always going to be enjoyable to some degree kind of thing you know mm-hmm. get get some level of enjoyment but it's definitely not one of those where i'd be uh if i'm ever revisiting dark side of the ring in five years time i'm certainly not going to be reaching for the uh, canyon episode how about you jp any strong thoughts on uh, on canyon or the documentary itself were you a fan um, i I kind of was to a degree in the sense I remember when you would see him on Nitro, he was doing cool shit. Mm. Like that was the thing that he, he would do. in 1987, mate. Yeah. Like it was like, it like fascinating, like kind of going back and remembering seeing some of the moves he did. Mm. I just thought that the focus was slightly off. So a lot of the focus was effectively, okay, there are things and I'm not expecting him to go full Paul Schrader and go into his Catholic angst over over his sexuality but that's kind of stuff that could have been explored more you'd want to hear from members of his family and stuff like that and what they thought and i think that's where you do the humanizing part and it kind of missed that because it was really jim mitchell and the other guy who worked for like aww and that was kind of it and it then like because then you know you would want to see like for example like he died when he was back at home so 
what was the relationship with his family? And I think those are the kind of things that you're missing. It's like they're the things that add real meat to the bones sometimes. And instead, what it felt like is after a while, you're hearing incident after incident of where the fact he's bipolar is kind of taking over to a degree. So, like, it felt like really for what it was that they kind of, again, structurally got it, got it wrong. They didn't focus perhaps more on other areas I would want them to. And, I mean, you see the the, the boy George bit is shocking, no matter what you look at it. Weirdly, it's one of these things that I've kind of I'd actually like kind of blanked that from my mind. I have no recollection like of that until people started talking about it in the build-up to this show. And then I saw it and I was like, oh, my God. So I can't – like so – and that stuff is not done by accident is it like the the like the way that they did that and the fact that they were shitty to him but no overall i didn't think it was as good as perhaps i thought it was going to be perhaps i thought there was going to be more much more to this um i think after the week before that with the plane ride from hell and the kind of <laughs> outcry from that mm. on the other hand where you're thinking about stuff feeling substantial and this felt substantial mm. Yeah, I mean, it's a story. The plane ride from hell is a story. Obviously, we've all heard. You know, I remember. You know, reading probably about it in Power Slam at the time. It's probably where I kind of mm. got the recap. Who got their, you know, all of their stuff? Finn Martin definitely took it all wholesale from Meltzer, and that's kind of the story that's been told. Um, yeah, you know, I've seen it. You know, described as one of the most damning episodes of uh, the WWE culture at, at the time. Yeah, and it's hard to, to paint it in any kind of positive light is it like it was i wouldn't i don't know if i found it shocking because i kind of felt like i already knew the story like i you know I, we said that at the time and when the rick flair 30 for 30 thing came out and they had like cartoon drawings of rick flair exposing himself and it was like ha, look at him and i was like i feel like that's not okay i feel like that's you know we're making light of sexual assault really like that's kind of what, what that is i feel like that's been known i think what was extra damning about this was having you know the flight attendant there to to give her side of the story um and to talk about you know what happened you know from her point of view and get you know a bit more detail on it that you know melter didn't include in the observer at the time claims he didn't know at the time who knows um but you know i felt like that that's maybe why this maybe shocked people more than even I was expecting. I was a little bit shocked in the because we didn't get a chance to talk about it on the week because we were talking because um, mm. we didn't have spotlight until later in the week and then we were talking AEW. But that whole week, I was a little bit shocked at the massive outcry. But then, do you reckon like most of that's just from you know yes we knew the detail but we didn't you know have it from you know the the horse's mouth as, as it were as we as we did here. I think that's the clear. It's it's actually hearing from Heidi Doyle herself, mm. and you hear what's happened. That's it, Heidi and Doyle, yeah. It's funny because this is two thousand and four when that when this happens. So I was thinking about what I was in two thousand and four, and then thinking, oh right, I was expecting to be a dad. I what I remember of this story is it like or the thing that you kind of would hear the most is Kurt Hennig and. Brock Lesnar having a fight on a plane and Dustin Rhodes singing to his wife and cutting off Michael Hayes' ponytail. And it just looked like a group of pissed up children. Yeah. And then after, like, it's only then, like, in the build-up to this show, again, it's just like, well, there's all of these other things. This is not, like, just some sort of laughing matter. And then you you see some of the stuff, and you're like, Christ. And then it's even more shocking when you see it there because this isn't him 
as is is like the way to be portrayed of Ric Flair, exposing himself like to the boys to make them laugh, whatever. This is him backing her into a corner and going up and like and and confronting her with this, you know, form of sexual assault, sexual harassment. And like I think it just it kind of brought to me like where wrestling has existed for such a long time. Mm. Because I think for ourselves, we're kind of almost numb to seeing all of those various shoot interviews, particularly in the nineties and on the wrestling channel where they say all the most horrific things. Kind of like, yeah, we did this and we drugged such and such. And we did this kind of, ju-. and it's like, this is the, sh- this is the world they existed in. Mm. And it also then makes you think they would ever complain about the newfangled wrestler who are on their consoles or on their phones and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, because you guys, behave like the fucking pit of the behave like animals basically and the scum of the earth as soon as you get an opportunity to and in seeing all these kind of yes men figure like mike kyoda and the rest of it who by the way is like oh yeah we're taking these pills as bad backs and it's like fuck bumps are you taking mate you know sliding on your knees every once in a while i wouldn't say you necessarily need to have a, a fucking pain pill addiction over that mm. like it an incredibly depressing episode. I think for a lot of sort of newer fans, younger fans, like it becomes even more horrific for that to, to be the case. I think for us, it's just like this. Well, it's yet another expose of of wrestling's kind of horrific attitude and wrestlers and how they behave. And it's like another in the long line of kind of continuing horror stories. Yeah, it's kind of the, the casual nature of it as well. I think like, you know, obviously Heidi's oh. testimony is damning and kind of shocking to, to hear, you know, directly. But even just the casual nature in which Terry Reynolds talks about that stuff, you know, where she's like, yeah, I was backstage and Brock just don't exposed himself to me. And all oh, that's, yeah, that don't sell it, don't sell it. And even the interviewer pulls it up and is like, you keep saying that a lot. And she's like, that's just kind of how things were then. I think, you know, even that casual nature yeah. of it's particularly damning as well. Um, what did you make of this one, Gareth? Yeah, I think this was definitely one that was, you know, significantly better. And maybe it was that I was with the Canyon one that I was drawing that sort of distinction, you know, between the two or that comparison between the between the two. I think with this as as well, I think it was one of those where I think because again of the talking heads that they had involved, I think that that's where it did improve things and it did kind of just give it a more, you know, value. So where we're talking about element, you know, people being missing maybe in the in, in the Canyon one that could have made it a bit more rounded and, you know, brought a bit more to the to the story. Um, I think in this one that, you know, obviously the, you know, having the um having the Heidi Doyle on there, you know, and having that, it just brought brought so much more power to the documentary in terms of like the impact that it actually had had on her life and you know and you know you could you could see you know it's one of those things you can see on someone's face you can see it in the eyes you can see the reaction and things like that as they're flashing back and thinking about these things and you know it's just just putting that side of things on the table because yeah i mean this story is one that was very familiar but it's it's one that's always been told and presented in in a certain way and then you know actually you're probably seeing kind of the harsh the harsh realities the harsh realities of that i suppose in many ways this was almost like obviously i don't know you get a shoot interview and hardcore wrestling fans 
watch it kind of thing. This was almost like taking a shoot interview and like putting it out there to a more mainstream or wider audience and things like that. And, you know, some of the things there, you've got the likes of Tommy Dreamer saying stuff or Mike Kyoto saying stuff that they might say on a shoot interview or something like that that's not going to get the same level of impact or certainly wouldn't have done in the mid-2000s or something like that. Put it out there in 2021 on, you know, tele, you know, on television like this to a wider audience and and that's when you do actually get the world sitting up and going no sorry this isn't acceptable behavior just because it's the boys and just because it's the wrestling industry and just because this is the way that it is and just because of who's involved and things like that it's 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 acceptable it's you know it's not the case and i think yeah i think having that wider wider view and that wider set of eyes on it you know, it really kind of, you know, magnified the extent to just like how abhorrent a lot of this behavior is that, you know, goes on with wrestlers. I think one of the things that jumped out to me massively on this that I don't feel like has been talked about too much is Vince McMahon was sat there on the plane, the front of the plane, while He's, this is well, all going I don't think he was, was he? is the thing. Yeah, yeah. I think the story is getting mixed up with different flights is the issue, isn't it, JP? That's what Meltzer was saying. Um, I don't think he was there. I, uh, I'm pretty sure he wasn't. I think, like, the people who say he was are mistaken, maybe. But, I mean, there was, there, I mean, there's obviously there's... That's a big mistake to make, though, isn't it? And a pretty obvious... Him being did, did, there did, did, Ross say, did Ross say McMahon sent him back to sort it out or something like that? Like Ross is someone who's yeah. like I don't know. I'm certain on the documentary Ross said that McMahon sent him back to you know sort out what was going on. But um, back, don't back know there, if he said McMahon or not. Um, but, but yeah, Meltzer disputes that. But but either way, um, I think the side of it as well was at the end was the fact that you know Scott Hall got dealt with in one way, Ric Flair got dealt with in another way, and the candid nature in which JR talked about that of it, like almost Ric Flair being Ric Flair and the, you know, presence that he had at the time and things like that and you know, the position and relationships mm. and things like that essentially means that he was just, you know, not treated in the same way as other people, you know, like a Kurt Hennig and things oh, yeah. like that as, as, as well. It was just like, yeah, just what a gang of shit houses. Like, my guy. Yeah, and it's gonna. That's not gonna change either. I don't think. Like that was yeah. another th- one of the things about the outrage coming out of this, and a lot of it was justified. I still don't think it's gonna. Ch- People are gonna look at it and say it was twenty years ago. You know, like for example, like the you know, don't, don't get me wrong. The whole thing's fucking disgusting and gross, and you know, Ric Flair should have been. Not cancelled today, should have been cancelled years ago as far as I'm concerned. Like I say, when that 30 for 30 came out, should have been fucking done then. Um, but he was Teflon then, and he'll probably end up going to be end up Teflon now too. You brought it up there, Gareth. I was shocked by you know the consequences for Tommy Dreamer in that he got suspended for an impact. For saying the type of shit like you rightly categorised as the type of shit these wrestlers have been saying on shoot interviews for years. Now the thing about what Tommy Dreamer said was, I don't the come across so gross and like he was outright you know explicitly endorsing it like like the mm. the problem was tommy Dreamer's was like yeah because because this is this is the thing you know heidi kind of says herself i don't think rick flair was trying to you know sexually assault me or get sexual gratification out of what he was doing i think he genuinely thought this was funny and that it popped the boys which in itself is a fucking gross disgusting thing to do i think that's the point tommy dreamer was trying to get a get across that like you know he's not a 
sex offender where it's like well by the letter of the Lord he fucking is but he was trying to get across you know the intent side of things but the way he went about it was just so like you know it was a goof it was a laugh you know it was a hilarious styling is- and profiling yeah it's like my haircuts people would be in fact he came across like such a fucking moron trying to make a point that like mm. he just wasn't qualified to make um, and was a fool's errand from the start um, he's got no one to blame for himself for, uh, for impact taking that action on him well, to be frank, he did pop the boys, didn't he, Ric Flair? Because mm. you saw what the boys' reaction was. Mm. Like, for a lot of them, they're there with a smile on their face remembering a lot of that plane ride from hell, aren't they? Mm. Apart from Rob Van Dam, mm. who then hits at that even, in, like, the regularity of people being drugged and all the rest of it as well. Mm. Like, He's not in this entire, though, because he's like, yeah, I just sat there and watched it, yeah. Sort it all, yeah. Yeah. Sound. In between doing like the thumb pose, they fucking love that. That that is one thing in Dark Side of the Ring that I really hate. You know, at the start with like, "Hey, I'm oh. DDP. I'm the master of the diamond cutter," and then they do a stupid pose, and they're like, "Yeah, so that yeah. That, that person got murdered. Uh, yep, yep, that happened." It's so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> please stop doing that for Dark Side of the Ring. It's awful. I'm the Such innovator a- of violence. Yeah, he's responsible for a series of armed robberies and murders throughout can- Northern Canada. You know, yeah. sort of throw that into the mix. Fuck. <laughs> but yeah, you're, you're you're completely. I mean, you're completely right. I mean, it, it it's this. It's kind of the extent of how they think the world that they've existed in has been so normalised, and how the idea that that couldn't happen today. I mean, to the point where we don't. You know, what happened on the Saudi flight doesn't come out, and all the rest of it. And obviously, like. That's another dark side of the ring that they that they should also be doing as well is what happened there mm. because I think there are a lot of people in a lot more danger than than they ever think. It also kind of the way that the whole thing got washed over afterwards, and it made me think the WWE have done this throughout history, mm. which is why when we've expect when when fans have expected WWE to do something, you're thinking surely they'll do something, and it's like oh no, they won't. Not until they absolutely have to, or they know something is going to come out about someone that's kind of categorical, categorical evidence. They won't do it. They don't have any qualms or quandaries about it. Um, but there is those things about the Vince McMahon stuff. He either was there or he wasn't. And I think he's that central a figure. It's not like, I'm not sure if he was there. You know, it's not D'Lo Brown, <laughs> is it? That we're talking about. It's Vince fucking McMahon. If he's either... Like, because people do get mixed up Jim with Ross, the story. Go there and go, they're going wild. They, a couple of them are going to, can you not hear this, Vince? You might, <laughs> whatever it is you're doing that you think is more important than what's going on in the back there, you need to not do that. But it's like the, the Vince and um, Kurt Angle wrestling on the flight and being broke up by Undertaker. Like, that gets told as part of this story, but apparently that is a different flight. You know, I've got to bear in mind it was 20 years ago. I think that's why it does seem <sighs> a bit grey, but yeah, I don't know. Hmm. It's an odd one. Yeah, it is. I don't know what's the one next week. What are they doing? Hopefully something lighter. I remember why we do Dark Side of the Ring last normally now. Uh, <laughs> Cheer sorry. ourselves up with some tournaments in a minute. All right. Okay, we Johnny K9, XPW. <laughs> that'll be a laugh, won't yeah. it? Oh, God, yeah. That'll be funny. <laughs> Messiah showing us his cut-off thumb in some wrestling pose at the start of it. <laughs> oh, that'll, that'll get us going. Yeah, XPW. I think it was, yeah. Dirty <laughs> promotion. Dirty. Legend. Yeah, even Deathmatch Richard can't defend that stuff. 
Um, FMW though, as Andy said, yeah, there you go. There's a yeah, some positive to come. Lads, lads ripped up with barbed wire, jumping into fucking polluted rivers, and ending up having to get hundred odd stitches. That's the light episode of the series that we're looking forward to on here. <laughs> Definitely. No steroid trial. Looking forward to the oh, steroid trial. That'll yeah. be just because Jerry McDevitt is talking, and there's a massive novel like is hearing he? Jerry McDevitt. Talk. Yeah, he's on it. Oh, that's interesting. That's there's a man who knows where the bodies are buried. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Terrifying man if he's on your case. (laughs) For sure. Well we've got that to look forward to. Um should we right now? Yeah, Yeah, I know Garrett's feeling really positive about Tyler. Go on, Garrett. Give us give us the title review. How was your day out going? Yes. At the weekend, mate. Turn us around. I mean, I've talked about I've talked about the uh, the social side of things and, mm. and and stuff, and I had a had a crack and a had a crack and time, you know, meeting up with with different people there, and I, I was very much just like approaching this like I was going to I'm going to a show in you know not too far away, whatever, two hours away from my house. It's just a you know Brit, you know Brit rest show. Just going to go and have a nice day out, have a few drinks, watch a bit of wrestling, go to this venue because like it's at Leeds City Museum, and that was just quite a you know, unique venue, something to sort of pull you in, you know, from the pictures and things like that. It just looked like a, a, a unique venue to get to. And that was, um, that was, you know, definitely what, what drew me there. Zero expectations about what I was going to see on the day, really. You know, I know it's something that um, Andy and Jeff on Craps and Claps Audio always speak very highly about their trips to Tidal as well. So, you know, I knew I had their kind of positive recommendation to to go off. And, you know, it was a double header who had a, the afternoon show that was a, a matinee, uh, the, the matinee show that, um, again, was, was probably you know, started out really where it was very much just along the lines of probably what I was expecting from like a, you know, daytime Brit rest show, really. It was just reasonable, fun stuff without like a whole lot of consequences. There was some, you know, bad things on there that you're prepared to just ignore and brush aside because, hey, it's, you know, 18-year-old wrestlers, 20-year-old wrestlers learning the craft in front of 60 people in the afternoon kind of thing. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're not out there throwing, uh, you know, throwing five-star match ratings or things like that or even trying to or anything like this but then you know you're always kind of looking out there for something that was a bit uh a bit different that um that got out there there and you know i think the one for me that was you know immediately on that afternoon show you know i saw brady phillips for the first time and um again this this match was you know it was the main event of the the, the first show but i just thought he was absolutely you know spot on he just came across as the best thing on the card altogether he just had like great charisma great star presence great facials he had size like he was over six foot he was you know a brit rest india wrestler who's clearly seen the inside of the gym um, you know as well which was always a always a positive as well so he had he had all that going you know he had the crowd going with uh, different songs and things like that and and within the match that he, he worked in the in the mid-show point of view like he worked worked very you know worked very very well you know nothing like startling stuff that particular match you know it was a, it was it was a decent match but it um it came across well but then in the evening show like he was involved in a match with Tom Thelwell and no word of a lie this isn't her hyperbole this isn't beer talking this isn't carried away in the live moment or anything like that you know we talked very much about that Aussie Open Young Guns match at the Manchester Rev Pro show and you know for me up until that point it was my live match of the year 
this was my live match that I have, you know, I've seen in the in, in, in the in the flesh, live match of the year. It was absolutely first class stuff. It was it was genuinely like if it was on the app, I'd be going like four and a half stars on this match. And you know, these two, like where I'd been kind of positive and waxing lyrical about you know Brady Phillips in the first first show, in the second show in this match, it the way he worked it alongside all of that natural charisma that he showed and the physical presence that he had, it was absolutely top draw stuff. And, you know, Tom Thelwell's somebody who often gets kind of shunted in as that third young gun and things because he's, you know, come up on the Northwest scene and, you know, he's obviously worked a lot of shows that that, um, they've been on. And often he's somebody who's seen probably in their shadow a little bit. But by God, did he live up to the, his side of the bargain in this in, in, in this match? The absolute banger. Everything was just totally on point. You know, the everything was. You know, I don't think they like missed a thing between them. It was as smooth as anything. It was hard hitting. It was fast paced. You know, there was some absolutely huge spots on, on there, and you know, it just came away from it. The, the crowd was, you know, standing ovation at the end, and you know, I walked, I walked away from this just thinking, like, for one, that almost felt like a bit of a coming out party for Tom Thelwell. You know, he's it adopted a, a new look. You know, he had, in terms of his, you know, wrestling attire, his hair, and things like that. So he kind of almost just looked a bit more of a step apart from, you know, having that more young gun style look that he's had in the past. But honestly, lads, Brady Phillips, he should be booked absolutely everywhere. In, in a wrestling scene that has been depleted as much as we've had in the in the UK, he is somebody who he could credibly stand there toe-to-toe with anybody. And I'm thinking about like where we've had Ricky Knight Jr. put into those positions with RevPro. Um you know, Brady Phillips is somebody who should be working at the top of that card. He should be booked up and down the country every single week. And then, you know, you look at the promotions that he is working for. He's work, you know, is 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 worked for sort of much smaller, much under the radar stuff. I think he's had like the the odd match here and there, like one with Rev Pro, one with PCW, and things like that. But a, a lot of his smaller shows, I honestly can't speak highly enough of this guy. And okay, it's based on two matches, but I've also got Andy and Jeff saying to me at the same time. From the amount of times that they've seen him at title, just how they've been, you know, trying to bang his drum for a while and, you know, try and get that expo- exposure on him. And honestly, this is one where I'm just thinking about like, you know, title shows have been on like IWTV. If anyone's listened to this and you've got IWTV, you know, watch this match, you know, look out for this, um, this title show from this past weekend and just make sure you watch this match because, um, you know, Brady Phillips is somewhere who, someone who, you know, really, really can make a, a dent in the in the, in the Brit rest scene as it as it stands. And and following on from that, the main event of that second show was um, Will Cruz against Luke Jacobs. Now, obviously, we've talked about Luke Jacobs, you know, uh, plenty of times. Obviously, from the Young Guns tag tag point of view, this was another four star match. You know, Will Cruz is a is a fucking big lad. You know, he's he's like almost like an old school wrestler in terms of like his builds and things like that. But fucking hell, can he move? And him and Luke Jacobs, they just knocked the shit out of each other. They just worked at a hundred mile an hour. There was again, there was just some huge spots in there, massive suplexes, lariats, things like that. Things like that. And again, this was another four star plus plus match. And from me going to the show, just thinking it was a nice day out and have a few drinks and watch a bit of wrestling. I walked away from it looking at those last two matches and just thinking like, 
fucking hell, there's uh, there's two uh, two absolutely top top end top tier matches there that uh, you know people should be watching. And you know, again, as the uh, as the scene as it as it is, you know, I've been to a few shows recently and kind of walked away from it and thinking like, yeah, that was all right or that was good or you had the odd highlight and things like that. To walk away with two at that top end there, like can't speak highly enough and i could literally talk about brady phillips probably for the next half an hour based on uh, <laughs> those two matches but, I, but I, I won't uh, I, I, I won't bore you too much benno but uh, yeah there's a uh, with a uh, from what i've seen of him maybe there is a little bit of life in brit rest just yet yeah i mean he's someone him and tom Thelwell are like you know ogden favorites you know will cruise as well like hear positive things from them yeah. but no interesting to hear from you i assume you've not seen it have you seen tom delwell haven't we jp in uh future shock in manchester did you see him on that that's show? right mm. yes no he was on that future show at, uh mm. that i went that he should that be in rev pro with the young actually. guns they should have him cornering them well, and just give him the odd match <laughs> like he, he should be like, in that mix <laughs> nowhere near the young guns based on what i saw this weekend it it was it was like it was standalone he was his own man and he felt i felt like he turned the dial up to he turned the dial up to 10 or something like that he the the way he went out and worked that that you know i'm i'm waxing the look about brady phillips i've seen tom fellwell tons of times and this was this this tom fellwell on that day knocked the rest of it out of the park from what i've seen before and again the age of that lad and the growth that you know he's he's demonstrated in the last two years if he's delivering bangers like that like that brady phillips tom fellwell match should be a match that people are booking all around the country because if they can go out and work like that in lots of different promotions and work work together like that they're going to get fans all over the country it was uh, Mm. outstanding stuff one of the things that comes to mind is if Rev Pro really are now the only promotion that's kind of running the UK. It's the only national um, promotion. Out, uh, only national promotion that we that we that that we have here. And one of the things I think is if you're going to do that, you need to have the talent who fans in those areas. So if you're running Sheffield, you know, not that far away from Leeds, you're thinking to yourself, you get a Will Cruise on there. You have a look, if anything else, don't totally, you? I mean, yeah. you're kind of yeah, you have to really at this point because again, Will Cruz, heard uh, the name obviously Brady Phillips, Tom Thelwell. These these are names that feel very like kind of familiar to me without ever kind of watching them because they do feel like okay, these are the next series of people you're going to start seeing near you because they are hopefully going to get booked more. And everything about it, it was like following Gareth that day. Like the venue looked tremendous. It did. It looked like good crack. I, you sort of wish it had bigger numbers. What that venue would have been like, kind of with a with a few more people in it, and you know, a bit more of a raucous atmosphere. It just looked completely unique. So, yeah, uh, like title do good things. I mean, they had their what was it, the Temple of Boom for a long time, wasn't it? The, mm-hmm. That they used to run, um, and it's good that a major city in the UK is, is able to, is thinking sort of outside the box when it comes to venues as well. And it's not the usual kind of places and they're thinking of the aesthetic and the rest of it. And if you've got some young talent to go with it, I just want to see them. Like you say, really for me, I'm for me to see them live. Realistically, they're going to have to appear on rev pro shows because mm. there's very few other well, progress mate. near me running. Sorry. Well, progress. Oh, what are they coming back? Are they? Well, if they get on progress, I'll book you for BW that week. I'll uh, have a web with Andy and uh, Martin. Um, I mean, what I was going to ask you, like, I mean, genuinely, like, that is interesting. Like, I hear nothing but good things about those lads, and it's interesting to hear, you know, Tom Delwell sounds like he's turned a bit of a corner. From a promotional point of view, though, like, you know, 
the, the one thing I'd, you know, I see to idle and I feel like I know everyone in the audience. And that's not always a good thing because it feels like they're the bulk of the audience. Like, is there a business that can run here in Leeds and do, you know, recurring business? Is there enough there? Because, you know, got to be honest, they did look like quiet shows, if not rowdy shows from like, you know, the reports I've heard. Yeah, I mean, from an attendance point of view, you look at things, JP referenced the Temple of Boom, and obviously that the size of that was a bit more, you know, restricted. I never went there myself, but obviously you know, there was only a certain amount of people who could go into that venue. This venue itself, it could certainly have taken a, a, a lot more, um, you know, Again, we t- we're talking small numbers. We're probably talking 60 at the daytime show. We're probably talking 100 being in that, um, at that main show. Um, again, probably what I'd say is if they're putting matches, you know, say if, say if those four at the top end are on the next title show and it was running in Leeds and it was running in that venue, I'd be going and I'd be going to you two. Get Go yourself on. the Leeds, lads. And then, you know, presumably there'd be other people who are in the crowd there who might go to, you know, to... You know, two of their mates or something like that, and you know, or our listeners, as a, as a, as well, exactly, or listeners. Yeah. Certainly, if it's something like as a, if if the, there's almost that regularity of venue, and you know, those lads, it certainly feels like there's a base there where they could start to build. Obviously, you know, we're not talking, you know, we're not talking Wembley Arena or things like that, but there's there's no reason why with the match quality that they put on there at the weekend that you couldn't have. 250 people there in that in, in, in that venue which again mm-hmm. isn't massive amount of numbers but if you're talking about a small scene that's rebuilding itself you know you know there's the, the, there's that opportunity and that possibility for it to be to be there and it's you know you are at that starting point and if you are putting extra names on the table that you know maybe people who aren't doing 100 shows a year like Andy and Jeff haven't seen as frequently and things like that like that, I think of myself how many shows I've been to in, you know pre-COVID in the previous two years first time I've seen Brady Phillips and you know he's blown my mind kind of thing in that in that instance I've seen Will Cruz maybe about twice or three times two or three times before again he's like a fresh face on the scene there that's fucking very good kind of thing that they can you know build upon as as you pepper it in your farewells and your young guns and things like that around there of other people that can get um that you can get um get booked there's there's a basis there for a for a scene to at least start to be start to be built interesting seeing the comments of ben brit reservados in the in the chat there he's saying that you know temple of boom got a bit uncomfortable there's more than 100 there and that apparently they're running huddersfield this weekend and that's a a bit similar um but like you know doesn't come any higher praise than than ben himself who's seen everyone you know saying there you know he agrees yeah. with gareth the top end of the show was superb those four in any combination give you a top quality match that's what i hear from the ogdens as well listening to listening to graps and claps you know that word does travel doesn't it and you know that'll you know, walk. I think I think you know the difference in that episode, the craps and claps versus a previous one they did, shows the difference of you know putting something a bit more unique on than than some of these Brit Rest cards have been looking up and down the country and you know leaning into wrestlers like Brady Phillips and, and Will Cruz who aren't necessarily known names across the country. I don't think I've seen Will Cruz unless you can uh, correct me that I've been at a show he was on. You know, they're backing some different horses and and sounds like yeah they're, they're seeing the results there, JP. Yeah. And like Gareth said, it's one of these things. I'm looking at a venue and I'm thinking, I, want, I need to go at one of these because how many times are they going to be running this venue? Is it going to be Where is break? it? I was Leeds. Really... Yeah. Yeah. It's the. Uh, Just making sure. It? Leeds. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. The museum, isn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah Leeds City Museum. Yeah. Just Leeds. over the road from Pop Royal, Jamie. Yeah. 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 
do some Excellent. sightseeing. Yeah, sounds good. I'll just 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 throw a plug out there if you're uh, if you go to Abrit Resaway Days on on Twitter, uh, Ben's account. He's put his uh, YouTube video up today where he also just takes his uh, d- yeah. does his little um, does his little edits of his days out. Shows a bit of the uh, shows a bit of the social side. Shows a bit of the city, the venue, and then also just some like little clips from some of the matches and things like that. So you get a you get a real feel for the for the day out. So get yourself on Bren, uh, on uh, Ben's Twitter feed there and have a have a little look at this video because it really sort of showcases the uh, showcases yeah. the venue as well as uh, some of the the people who are working and also as well ben in the chat there will also um picks up on the thing that'd be really big imagine if you had an import just one import to try and get in those extra names as well and you get them working um with those guys at the top of the card and then you're thinking to yourself then you you know then you get something aren't you then you are like kind of able to build the scene but there's nothing they can do about it so this is like the best they can do with the budget they have and like fair play to them they're running and they're running shows and they're being creative so mm. definitely definitely lots of positive there positive Brit Red segments we've done a couple in, yeah, a, in the last few weeks who knows what's going and on life in the old days. Uh, 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 it's almost uh, like uh, ahead of the G1 as well I know I know <laughs> Oh, <laughs> topsy turvy this week. I mean, but yeah, I I mean, we should get into tournament season as our, our last thing today. And yeah, we got some N one and some starters to talk about as well. I tried with the G one lads. I mentioned it in the pre show. I just don't care. I just don't. I watch the opening weekend and hear what you lads said about Ishishinko and I hear what you lads said about Tanashi and Okada. Watched them both and I was like. They're like the, that's the least strong I've ever felt about slapping some four stars on the uh, on the grapple app, and I've not gone back and watched anything else from the tournament. I don't know how much you guys have seen, um, you know, from the uh, what are we, day two, three, four, three, four, and five um, at this at time of recording. Mm-hmm. Um, there was only the one show at the weekend, wasn't there? Have you guys been watching much of it? No, not really. <laughs> I just don't. Care. It's still <laughs> the big, there's <sighs> there's stuff I'll listen to, right? Like the the big matches, and I'm going purely by the app, really at mm. this point. And if it's not getting around three and a half, I'm really wondering about the investment because also I'm looking at the match times when I'm giving results as well, and I'm just there thinking, Christ, this is a lot of investment for stuff I've effectively seen before, mm. and that's how it feels. No matter how good it is, we've seen it. There is no fresh new combinations. And, you know, even the idea of Zach winning his first few matches against big stars in order to kind of get up to the tournament, because that's really who I've ended up following in this G1 so far is Zach Sabre Jr. Because he seems to be having, like, between him and Shingo, like, the kind of best matches. But mm. no Naito means that we had Shingo Nagata, which I know would be would be fine, but it's not something I can get enthused about. Yeah. Like, necessarily. I know that seems like probably a bit It's an exhibition, though, isn't like, it? It's for... It's not and especially when the crowd crowds are low yeah and it's mm. exhibitions and it's just like there's nothing really of like it, it's you know if for example zach goes and blitzes the block for example i'll be like oh okay changing up the kind of booking thing if however he starts to go on a losing streak to set up an exciting like uh, an exciting last day in inverted commas then i kind of think i've seen this film before i've seen this sequel like, yeah, you know Ben Stiller's character in Zoolander who keeps on coming back, and it's just like he's not on a fire. You remember that trailer bit? He's not on a fiery peak. He's on like there. He's he's got two babies strapped to his like chest with some massive guns because they've just got nothing else to reinvent these sequels with other than just adding on stuff. And it and it kind of feels this way watching the G one. I think it's hard to get. It's why I couldn't do, didn't want to do the Pickums. I didn't want any emotional investment. Because I don't want to find myself sort of caring about this business end of it. 
I'm sure I'll end up watching a bit more, but I'm not convinced that the match quality is going to get much better from here outside of what appears to be one or two people. I looked at the grapple app and like, you know, again, like I mentioned, day one and two, they were genuinely good matches. You know, you see show Shingo, of course they were going to have a great match. Of course it was going to be a, a battle. Maybe it was five minutes, maybe not even five minutes, a couple of minutes too long, but kind of shared like the same thoughts you did last week about it. It was a, it was a fight. It was, it was, you know, everything you expect from them to in front of a music crowd, you know, for the nth time. Okada and Tanahashi, you know what you just said, they rang so true, JP, about sequels. Like, I bet your Godfather Part 8 would still be good, but I don't know if I want to like, get that far into it. Like, I'll just watch Godfather 9 at that point. I mean, they're going to wrestle again. And, uh, yeah. Okay. You know, and the two are the best ever, so, like, I shouldn't feel, like, that ungrateful about it. But I was just like, yeah, of course. Yeah, they had a very good match. Okay. I still don't care, though. Um, and I felt like that about, you know, the rest of the tournament. It's just, you know, I, I watched those those bits from the first couple of days and then I thought okay let's have a look at the grapple app let's see what's you know going on for you know the days three and four and I kind of scrolled through that day three and it was like three stars here three stars there Ibushi and Anishi is trending at just below four stars so I was like okay I'm sure it'll be good but is it going to be that good I mean I do want to catch up with Shingo and Zap Sabre Jr and I will at some point but I looked at day four and it was like, you know, a lot of three stars on that day. That Chase Owens Tamatonga match that uh, people were raving to us about on Friday, JP. I'm seeing that at 3.26 on the app. I'm not getting out of bed for 3.26 stars. You know, <laughs> Evil versus Okada in the main event trended at 3.27 stars. I saw those numbers, Gareth, and went, nah, you know what? I've got better things to do today. And I didn't catch up. And I'm, I'll have to. I will at some point. But I feel so unmotivated to do so. I don't know if you can change my mind. I don't know if I don't know if I can to be honest. I mean, you know, obviously last week we talked about having watched based on the first two days. I think I'd watched three matches. I think the, the Shingo Ishii, the Zach Naito, and Akada Tanahashi. Yeah, and that kind of felt like that was all I needed to see. And even like the Shingo Ishii match, you know, I was saying I went lower on that because it wasn't as good as previous Shingo Ishii matches. Even, and I'm sort of like surprised to see it as as high as it is on the app. And all I've literally done is day three and day five and and only watched Zach against Shingo on day three and, you know, Zach against Kota Ibushi on day five. And as I looked down the ratings and I looked even, even almost like ratings aside, just like looking at the matchups and thinking, oh, is this something that feels like, even if it is uh, whatever, three and a half or something, I just want to watch because of the two wrestlers involved or something like that. There isn't even that intrigue or pull, I don't think, to, you know, there, there isn't a match that's sort of standing out has just been a, a bit unique and a bit interesting from that point of view. And like, I'm also looking at it and just thinking it from a, a rating standpoint. And obviously, normally I'm like sticking together graphics for the G1 of like lists of these, the top 10 matches so far. And this is what you need to catch up on. And like, oh, when it's getting through to like the Grapple 100 at the end of the year and thinking about the usual domination of G1 and things and, you know, thinking about, I can't think of here. I kind of don't want to, well, I won't be putting a graphic together to saying to people, this is what you've missed kind of thing, because I don't think it could carry it really at this at, at this point. It might be sort of the, the sort of thing that I do at the end of the tournament or something, but, you know, it doesn't doesn't feel like there's there's a, a raft of stuff that's worthwhile watching here. And even like 
every year I'm always like Ishii's Mr. G1 and you know you do like your little things and I'm getting a little image of Ishii and doing his like oh you know nine of his you know eight of his nine matches have been over four stars and things like already he's starting off there and two of his matches are tracking at three points something out of his first three and if 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 that's a barometer alone of the dip in quality or the you know the dip dip in excitement towards those matches it's it's almost there it is because you could God, I'd, I'd put my mortgage on Ishii to have, you know, seven plus, four, you know, four star matches within this tournament, and it's it's you know it's clearly clearly not there. It's not happening. Anything to add, John Paul? Yeah. Did you watch anything? Any, any anything more than Gareth? I watched uh, Ishii versus Kenta, which was fine. Yeah, <laughs> like what more? I've got really very. I mean, like I, I I kind of echo a lot of those thoughts. I mean, I enjoyed. Zach versus Shingo. Um, I enjoyed it more. I loved it. it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it, and the thing is, I think the problem is, again, it's just like, I mean, I know it's going to be good. I know it's going to be really good wrestling. However, it's going to be muted. It's falling within a tournament format of where everybody's faced each other in some variation. So like, it, it there is like, like you said before, Bello, it's just like, where's that excitement? Where's that spark? There's no one like if there's one outsider for Christ's sakes or Hiromu in there just to liven it the fuck up but we don't have that and so like already I'm kind of predisposed and con- like I said last week combined with those three Wrestle Kingdom nights I'm like I'm just going to pick and choose certain matches see if they're good and even then I squeeze them in for tonight's show mm. um, I mean that 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 Zach Shingo match from day three, I've gone four and a half stars on that. Like that is that is a match that to me just you know it stands out. It is you know it was absolutely just fantastic for the story that they told there with like Zach's counters and you know even when Shingo landed stuff like Zach still been able to like throw the reversal in there. The pace and the tempo they worked at and this was a match that went twenty eight minutes and it felt like ten minutes to me. You know it absolutely you know breezed by. I think the the submission that Zach put in at the end where he'd like transitioned from the shoulders and then, you know, he was into that sort of arm bar with an arm in triangle and then and then like there was just that slight adjustment oh, of le- that, that 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 slight adjustment of legs leg position as Shingo went to sort of do that power bomb from the from the triangle. Just that small attention to detail, that shift that just got that rapid submission. I absolutely loved that as a as, as a finish and the, the story that they told there, and then switching the story up a bit more in you know in day five, and you know Ibushi had not been your classic Zach match, I suppose, and Ibushi not letting it happen, and you know Zach having to kind of you know cheat by sticking a submission on in the ropes to kind of get the uh, uh, get the initiative, and ultimately you know. Um, submitting him at the, at, the, at the end, but it was a, it was a, it was another. You know, I've got that four star. It was another high quality match. It was a different slant on a Zach match. You know, in terms of the way that 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 he got to that ultimate route of the of the end. And and I think where you look for something new and fresh and things like that to follow in this tournament right now, the only thing that is jumping out to me is this Zach Saber Junior sort of. Mm. Whatever story or route through the G one that they're that they're building here, and I think that's I'm probably just going to find myself now, now that I've watched his first three matches and given them four star plus for for each of them, 
I'm probably just going to follow every Zach match along this tournament and follow mm. that story along and then just go with anything else that, you know, pulls out as, you know, a, a high rating alongside it. But even then, I, I, I'm kind of looking at this, even though they're putting him over Naito and they're putting him over Shingo and Ibushi, I kind of don't have that confidence that, like, they're going to elevate him into that top position, you know, as we talk mm. around, like getting around to dome shows next year and things. It, it does kind of almost just feel like a little in-between filler. Obviously, I'd love to see him there. He's one of, you know, he's one of my favorite wrestlers in the world. But like, I don't know. Again, I just don't have that confidence. So I'm kind of just, I'm, I'm there on the ride, for on the journey with him for, the, for this tournament anyway. I would have felt that way if it wasn't for the fact that I left after the Ibushi match while we were recording the post-match stuff. And I didn't realize that Zach's learned Japanese. Yeah. Like to a good standard. And I always think that's the notable thing. And he has filled out a bit. He doesn't look as like kind of as lean as when he first started. And it felt that him doing that and then being able to go into a heel character. It was kind of very reminiscent. I'm not going to say he was exactly the same as what Kenny Omega used to do, mm. like to, to an extent. And that was fascinating. So he was like doing a mock kind of humble post-match G1 before going into kind of heel English mode as well. Uh, and it was like that for me is always a sign of maybe they're going to do something. But we all know it's not like they're going to do something like, right, he sweeps the block. Remember that time Shingo did in the um, in the in the best of the Super Juniors? And then he ended up against Osprey and losing to him mm. in an absolute that was like match of the year that year. Mm-hmm. Like they're not going to book this tournament like that. So we know there's going to be some, like if he's up against, Yano, I don't even know if Yano's in his block, whoever the kind of comedy wrestler is, they'll do something to have him kind of on the outside, you know, get counted out on the rest of it. And it's whether now after those three big wins, which does set him up for some potential big matches, but they're also all matches that he could end up losing. And it's not like I've got like necessarily that faith in New Japan at the moment because I think they've just got their structure and their system and their rigidity of what they're going to do. Even though this is a G1, you can experiment with a wild final and just do put two people who've never been there before to see what happens. It's hard to see them having. I, I don't. It's hard to see them doing it. it I, I, I have to just highlight one of the lines in that interview afterwards, though. I just loved it when he was saying like. I'm not even trying. I've been stuck with the morons in the tag division all year. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was just like, yes. <laughs> yes, you have. <laughs> he has quietly become a great promo, as that, hasn't he? Uh, underrated part of his game. Look forward to him and Danielson going back and forth. Who knows where it's going to be? Yeah, yeah. Let's hope it. Oh, yeah. Call, call in Shingo, old dragon bollocks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a good laugh. Um... Right, uh, tournament season then, elsewhere. I can see the excitement in JP's face. Do you want to talk some stardom, mate? Do you want to... Uh... Oh, go on. I've actually watched it. I mean, the, the, the big reveal here is I'm not the only one who'll be talking about stardom. Yeah, so you and Gary can have a chat well. about it and I'm just going to go to the toilet for a bit. See you later. No, I have oh, actually watched it. no. <laughs> <Swerve>. <laughs> <laughs> I have watched well, it. Well, it's kind of almost like, what do you think of it as much as anything else? I mean, I can tell you the other stuff I've seen. You've just seen the main event, haven't you? Mm-hmm. I did recommend another match more heavily than this. I have to say, I kind I told of you to loved the show. <laughs> you did. You went... He went Two matches now, lad. You're taking the piss. I think it's a direct quote. Um, but 
So the matches, like I would say, like to kind of pick out from it. And generally, the standard of wrestling is really good, partly because in those block matches, and it was like all it was like the final day of the blocks, and then the final at the end mm. of it, and they have twenty minute time limits, so it feels I like everything is kind of a, a yeah a rush from fifteen minutes, mm. not the main event. Mm. obviously which goes which goes longer so i don't think even so, the know, draw less than 20 still oh no it was wasn't it yeah it was it was 18 mm. i think it is um but anyway like what makes it kind of notable is like they're, they're working at a real sprint in some of these other matches for like 10 minutes and they get their shit in mm. this stardom roster they don't fuck about so my versus star like kid i went 3.75 on 10-minute sprint, there's a story between them, but it's a much bigger story that will be told in other shows. And they realise they can still keep the storyline, which is basically Starlight Kid was Mayu Watani's protégé, and now she's, like, joined Odotai, who means nothing to you guys, but there's a series of goths who hang out ringside. Um, But the match I would highly recommend was a 20-minute draw between Shuri Mm. and Takumi Aroha who is someone who wrestles in Marvelous. So they got one import in from another Joshi promotion to come in. Absolute fucking shit kicker. Really is like hard as fucking nails, like sort of spiky, like bleached red hair, just like absolutely fucking nailing stuff. And Shuri fought in UFC. She was like a pancreas strawweight champion, they were saying. And the commentary, by the way, in English, like Stuart Fulton was great. He was with Mina Sh- Shirakawa, who wrestled earlier on in the card, and she... Wasn't good. Sorry. <coughs> no. <laughs> she was rough. I was going to sneeze there, but you're right. She was rough, but then... She doesn't speak English. You know, like my, that's, that's an issue with doing when, English. When I did Japanese commentary, I'm sure I'm not great either. Uh, you know... <laughs> Probably like, wouldn't ask you to do it. You're somewhat churlish. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know... Somebody you, asked me to do it. It's like, I'll give it a go, but it'll probably be bad. Before I forget, there was a line uh, Stuart had in there. In the I can't remember what the move was. He said something like, "He's she's ripping through her body like a vindaloo on a Sunday morning. I was like, oh, what a line. What a yeah. line. <laughs> Stuart Fulton is fucking great. Now, we've, like, we enjoy them on Noah. Mm-hmm. I think they did do a hell of a job. Here, he's without the other guy who was like, I think the guys are on the Stardom World English language account. Mm. and he's there with a wrestler he's carrying the load of this commentary team and there's something about his voice like it kind of brings me back to other Scottish commentators of your Archie McPherson's of the world <laughs> um, and and you know just like thinking that, like he's got like a there's a way when he's kind of trying to make small talk with her and he's it's difficult because at times she just isn't clearly sure what he's actually saying but kind of going along with it Um and then he sort of lapses back into kind of really in-depth description of the holds. And in this match, it really works because both of these, gra- it's like load of grappling for the first 10 minutes, but it's good. And because they're both like clearly well-trained amateur wrestlers, really good for that. And then it turns into an absolutely brutal fucking strike battle, kicking the shit out of each other. And then in the last minute, they're just hitting moves and trying for pins on anything. And then if the first pin is weak, they go down again to see, right, is this the one that pins them? So in the last 10 seconds, Shuri tries three pins in a row and it ends up as a draw, but she goes through to the final with that anyway. So she had this 20-minute war before she gets to the final. Uh, and it, before the final, I won't say too much about it, Tam Nakano versus Tami Hayashishita. It's like a very good match, but another one of those where it, 
it, it was never going to be that long. And I think it suffered something from the crowd on the match before. So Shuri had had a 20 minute war before she'd gone into this main event, Benno. See, I wouldn't but have known that. What do you think of it? If it was not for the English commentary, because I did ask you, is there yes. English commentary before I watch this? And yes. it helps, because I knew that story, Vitan, and it was. It was, you know, it worked as a story, you know, coming in after, like, fighting 20 minutes, 20 minutes, you know, against Momo, who was fresh. Is that right? Like, she hadn't... Wrestled the opening match right. in a trios match because Julia's injured. Right. So she would have had her on the final night, but mm. she's she's injured, but was obviously at ringside during this. Mm. And it worked well. Like, the, the comedy did do a good job of telling that story of, like, okay, so, you know, after, you know, Suri kind of going 20 minutes already and being battered, she's just going to go out there and just hit bombs and try and, like, go for it early. And then the reverse of that, you know, is that Momo wants to also put her down quickly because, you know, she's like smells that weakness. And it kind of, for a less than 20 minute match, what did they go? 17, 18 minutes. It was yeah. the most sense you'll ever get out of a match where it's just, you know, two people going out there and just kicking shit out of each other and kneeing shit out of each other. And, the you know, that, that kind of anger and violence like worked really well. And it, it felt, you know, desperate in the right places and it felt, like yeah, like like a like a final. Um, it got a little bit, you know, samey at times maybe, but all in all, like I enjoyed it. Like it didn't outstay its welcome. I didn't realize about the the time limits for the other matches, but you know, obviously this still didn't go over the twenty minutes either, which was welcome. I was expecting looking at the runtime, thinking, okay, this is going to go forty here or something, um, and it didn't, and it didn't outstay its welcome. I think some of the grapple ratings are insane, but, you know, if you love stardom, you love stardom. <laughs> but four stars, I really liked it. It was a good match. I, I went 4.25. Mm. I went four and a half on the other Shuri match, the 20-minute draw okay. before that, because I think that was fucking awesome. Because it was just like, she's... Do you see that, like, she's been clearly built up as, like, the next stardom star? Sorry, my voice has gone on me. Um, you got that cold like me, mate? COVID, mate, honestly riddled with it. Careful. Um, but yeah, it, it, she's clearly set up as the next star. She's got the obviously the famous draw now against Hayashishita, and I'll do the rematch there. They've got the fact that she's won this now at this point. There's stuff with Julia with her partner. I, what, what do, what's your feelings on stardom at this point? Because I have to say, I'm getting into it. I mean, you know my feelings. <laughs> I enjoyed the match, but yeah. <laughs> I'm not going that far. It's, presentation's not for me. It's not a promotion. No. For Benno, and know? it's not for me. But the wrestling is mm. for me. Mm. And I think the overall, when they tell those stories and they tell it well, and someone like Stuart Fulton, again, it just may, you're not watching this match if he's not doing the commentary for this. Yeah, I wouldn't have. I would have skipped it. Yeah. Mm. And he's just absolutely worth it. Mm. And it's like what him and Mark Pickering do for Noah as well. Were they on the English language for the N1, Gareth? Every, I haven't seen all of the N1. I've just had Japanese commentary for that. Ah, uh, right. Mm. Purist already. Look at that, JP. He's already uh, He's turned into <laughs> one of them. It's a WH Park influence. Uh, but no, I did enjoy it, JP. It's not changed my mind in any way. But you know, I think, well, I think we did this last year. I think matches. we did the final last year as well. I think I'm willing. I'm willing yeah. to to watch when uh, when the hype is that big. You know, I thought we'd be like Dragon Gate, and I just sort of it, it just like wouldn't be for me, and mm. I just almost have to kind of get to that point. Mm. But I don't. There's stuff with this where you can recognise that 
if they can get some imports in. But I also think one of the things with stardom is it's very they're going to see stardom wrestlers once people are able to come back over. They're going to be part of Rev Pro. I think that's just an easy, obviously, thing to do. And it adds another niche to it. And I think that is the thing. That's the next steps of kind of making it grow. And then you're wondering at some point if there's an AEW partnership with, with because like there's some sick, the talent there. And the, do you know how old Mama Watanabe is as well? She's like 21. Wow. Like they are kids. They're like the Ajax team, the one, the Champions League in like 95 or something like that. And then it got plundered afterwards, so that could easily happen. But honestly, they're just raising wrestling prodigies, like much like in an Ajax way, where they can just wrestle anyone. Mm. Yeah, and it works for a certain type of fan. Um, that, that was the only thing I was going to make. Anywho, <laughs> sorry, just hearing you talk about it, age. Um, <laughs> did you say you caught up with some Ed one thing, Gareth? <laughs> yeah to, to be honest i've been watching i've, I've watched um, bits of every day of the the, the m1 um, i think it's something that there when i was like catching up this week it was my priority I, I literally had rampage to watch i had g1 matches to watch um obviously extreme rules was on the list very far at the bottom but yeah the m1 was the first thing that um, i was immediately jumping to um, you know i talked last week about you know some of the top stuff on the the first two days i think one of the things that you know I just think stylistically, I just think it's, again, it's something that just appeals to me and it just it just fits with my, you know, one of my favourite types of uh, of wrestling. And I think something that, that I didn't reference last week is the fact that, you know, you're in this environment where there's no crowds um, apart from the, the final day and it, it sort of, it doesn't matter. It almost doesn't, it, it's, it doesn't grate as much as in other promotions. It's almost kind of like, a bit like, I suppose, that Walter Ilya match in the BT Sports studio in that, you know, in some ways the no crowd kind of enhances it a little bit because of the, the style of wrestling and because of the um, be, because of it appearing to be a bit more of a fight and a struggle and the noise and things like that just, like, adds to it in in, in, in certain ways. But, there's you know, there's been... While I, I haven't watched everything on every day, there's definitely been, like, a, a few you know, stories weaving through it or a few, you know, a few matches weaving through that I'd like, you know, definitely recommend, you know, day three, Kataro Suzuki against uh, Nakajima, you know, that was mm. something that was just a real good, like Nak- Nakajima showcase there really as, you know, there was Suzuki sold his ass off as, you know, Nak- Nakajima kicked the shit out of him basically for a uh, extended period of time, which was absolutely, you know, absolutely great. Nakajima hit that top rope missile drop kit, which is the best in the biz as far as I'm concerned. It was absolutely a thing of uh, a thing of beauty. And yeah, I mean, just for, I think one of the things that, that that's worth referencing with, with a lot of these matches in the M1 is that they are like, in and out a lot of them you know you are talking maybe like a 10 minute match or a 12 minute match or something like that they're not you know while there have been some longer ones there have been some like good matches where you're not having to invest huge amounts of your time and it's not like you're having to just sit there with New Japan and expecting to be there for 25 minutes later to catch up on you know this particular match it's it's definitely felt a little bit more accessible from that that point of view but I think like the best match on day three for me I gave like 3.75 to was uh, Keno against Daiki and Arbo which Again, there was there was just some great stuff there. As in, in Arbo's going after Keno's left knee early on, and like 
like it literally looked like he was trying to snap the bottom half of his leg off. You know, it looked, you know, the way that he was working the hold and like, you know, the angle that he was pulling it at was just, you know, again, great stuff, which really resonates with me. It wasn't some lightly worked hold. It was something where Kero looked in absolute agony with it as well. And, you know, again, the built into the back of that, like, um, and Arba got some very good near falls, you know, he had a beautiful straight track of German, you know, and, you know, Kero ultimately got the, got the win with a double foot stomp, but that was a match that I'd recommend. Um, Day four was a match that where I talk about matches being accessible. This was one that went to a time limit draw, but what a fucking match. Masato Tanaka against um, Kazushi Sakuraba. And this was one that he just started off quite slow, early grappling exchange, you know, Sakuraba's, um, you know, sinking in arm bars and, you know, ultimately like Tanaka goes for the ring bell and they end up brawling on the outside and he ends up like, you know, fucking Sakuraba up a bit on the outside in the in the guardrail with a, a leg leg lock and now it's kind of like reversed and Masato Tanaka's like destroying Sakuraba's knee and then he just it just sort of like really just builds and just like evolves into this match that was quite slow and quite submission based at the start. And it just becomes this like massive war and where like, where you've got like Masato Tanaka's just like going for these like huge strikes, huge moves, um, you know, and going with this submission. Sakuraba's coming um, the other way, obviously going for his, you know, you know, the the, um, submission style that he has. And they're just like, the pace kind of just like accelerates there at that at, at that point, and it's just like really like a really strong build towards the end of the match, and you're sort of like getting this feeling of oh this is this is building, this is going to like a a, a time limit draw because the way that it, they're sort of both in that sort of struggle at the end trying to to win the match, and again absolute top quality stuff. Like I say, it goes to a time limit draw, but it's one of those where it didn't feel like fucking hell that was excessive and you know dragged it to the end. It was the the, the, the pace of the thing was was superb um also on that card as well was um Kate Ukemi against Takashi uh, Takashi Segura and again this was very much like a carbon copy of, to some degree of the Manabu Soya match that came here that I talked about last week and it was where he essentially just got battered for the entire match and you had these you know fiery fighting spirit hope spots from from Kiyomir and you know some like late kickouts from him when he'd just like been you know under the cosh with some um big offense but then you know sneaking the win at the end with a roll up and it was just quite nice again just to sort of like see that like build of his character and presentation there that they've, they've, they've done throughout this tournament that was another like 3.75 match that i went on on that day something that was really strong and then um i've just caught up on one match from the final day and that's you know nakajima and sakuraba again and you know again stylistically this was ace where it the start naturally you've got Sakuraba's going for the you know jujitsu and Nakajima's keeping that like fighting distance between them with the kicks and you know just keeping him at keeping him at bay um and you know ultimately Nakajima's kicks him just getting very you know very dominant but a bit you know cocky and you know starting to just um take a little bit um uh, bit of arrogance coming in him Sakuraba getting hold of him but every time Nakajima's just getting to the ropes and breaking the hold and frustrating him to the point where Sakuraba's just like right fuck you kind of thing and when he gets to the ropes just pulling him back and reapplying the hold and just like sticking it in deep and you know getting, so that been the only way that he could like get hold of him and you know take him to the you know take him to try and get the submissions but ultimately Nakajima landed like a big brain buster out of a choke for a one two three and again this is one that 
like I've gone 3.75 on this as well. And while I'm not talking here about these matches being four, it's 4.25, it's, you know, 4.5. It's this consistent run of like 3.75 matches that are stylistically very different. They're all bringing something um, from a different angle to the table. The matches seem to be, you know, changing depending on the way the match matchups are. And, you know, I think you're almost getting that feeling of there being an element of consequence. And I think the shorter number of matches within the groups, it's just making it feel like there's, there's more at stake almost in the matches as well. You haven't got this kind of long run of the G1 where it's like, oh, well, somebody could and win four matches and then lose the next four or something like that and follow follow this pattern. I think the, the, the small number of matches in the groups just almost gives has given it that much more to uh, play for. And you know, I've I've massively got invested in it. Whereas with N ones in the past, I've maybe like watched one match here or one match there over the last two years. I've like like fully invested through this tournament, and you know, I'm really 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 pleased that I have. And you know. I think, you know, just just to call out some things there, you know, I think Sakuraba has been, you know, almost like a like a low profile MVP of this tournament. Every match he's had has been he's had really really run, good. Man. And you think for a guy who's in his fifties, and you know, at one point, I thought I'm done with this guy. I don't, you know, it's it's all getting a bit old hat and a bit dull. I think the year, I think he's having a great year, and this tournament's been absolutely you know, fantastic. I think the only negative I'd pull out, sorry to keep banging on, is um Massa Kitamiya because, you know, for 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 me, Kitamiya, I think with the the break with Nakajima and then, you know, that that tag team, they had you know, some really good stuff earlier on in the year. That was like hot, that split between them and then the match they had where he like took his hair. That was great stuff. And it, you know, Kitami has looked fantastic throughout that run. And then he looked like someone who needs the, you know, rocket um you know put behind him and him been you know where you talk about the old guard at Noah and getting these new younger lads coming through and um you know taking a bit more prominence. He's like lost, you know, he's just like lost out in this tournament and he's looked shit in the process as well. He's just like, he's just been handily beaten and it's just one of those that leaves you scratching your head. As much as I've got into nowhere over the last, you know, year, year and a half, as much as they get right and in isolation, you can take these matches and say that they're really good. Doesn't half leave you with some pile of head scratching where you think yeah. you think you know what course they're on, and then they just go and fucking just whip out some totally odd U-turn where suddenly somebody's like losing a string of matches who looked like they were um, you know on a shock to the top and things like that, and it's it's um, it's frustrating. It's something that I think it's it's going to be interesting to see how much patience I've got with it because I'm giving them mm. the benefit of the doubt in the short short run. But I think if in a year's time I'm still sat here and I'm looking at the likes of the um, you know Kemiers and Kemiers and Nakajimas and it feels like yeah no sorry you're going to go out and you're going to lose to Fujita or you're going to lose mm. to Muter or something like that again then. I'll probably be uh, down in tools on it, to be honest. But um, but yeah, if anyone is looking for something, get a, get stuck into the N1. There was some uh, quality stuff there, and you can obviously use the app to to find the better matches as well. Everyone's doing the G1 better than G1, Japing. They are. And I honestly think they're playing around with the, with the format, like you say, because it feels like tournament football. It feels like group <laughs> stages of football where there's there's three, you know, you're having three matches in the block, and then that's kind of that's kind of it then you know you're going through so you're able to run this kind of tournament and and i think i i i agree i mean i'm kind of encouraged by the final four like which is is next weekend so like for the most part having keno nakajima and um kiyomiya in there 
definitely. Kitami is the head scratcher. Um, the fact that did Muto lose in his block at all? I know he did. He, he drew twice at time limit draws, which is the head stra- head scratching booking. <laughs> I part. just saw that result in because Kitami is my guy. He's 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 who I've gone with as my young guy in my world transfer draft. <laughs> Thirty minute time limit draw. So what's the thinking behind that? What are they doing? Well, I tell, I tell you what, I was avoiding spoilers on that one. But oh, sorry. Not, you've just you've just made me you've just cleared up thirty minutes of my uh, day tomorrow because because I'm not fucking watching that. Oh, <laughs> look at I go. What is that? It's, it's mental. You always say it, although JJP, you, we were like the ones selling this to Gareth and uh, and less successfully yeah. to me, and then it always bites you in the arse, doesn't it? Because you can't predict what they're gonna do. Like in theory, here, like. At its core, if it, if you booked it properly with the emphasis on the younger guys, there's a really interesting core bunch of heavyweights that if you, you could do things with and have really good programs, especially when Go Shiyazaki is back, which is probably a phrase I wouldn't have thought I'd hear myself say a couple of years ago. But again, 2021, it's here we are. But once you've got that into the mix, it's really interesting. For me... Like and I've got Masakatsu Funaki in there as well. And I've had Mo, um, Mochizuki in there as well. And Masato Tanaka a forty-eight, which means his combined half an hour time limit draw. The age of that was a hundred, Garrett. And also the same vote that well, the Brexit vote was fifty-two forty-eight. <laughs> but there's a weird little side note. Um, but like they have some interesting older veterans, but they seem to emphasise the much less interesting ones, the Fujitas the Mutos at this point, who I've really turned on him in this run. I don't know how you feel about it, Gareth, because it just feels like he is a direct hindrance to people getting over. People are not allowed to go over on him. And it's just like, at what, 58? You have no fucking right saying that. Sorry. No matter how much of a legend you are within Japanese wrestling, it's like, that's selfish behaviour. It's the kind of, you know... We say that we, although we say about Sting and Sting not losing matches, there are things in there where, like, like him losing to Kiyomiya in a tournament, he doesn't lose anything by that. The idea he's, that he has he's to go beaten half twice, at, he's beaten yeah, he's twice beat, in the last year as well, hasn't he? You know, like, yeah. I thought this is when he beats him, <laughs> like, and, <laughs> and he could do it in ten minutes. He'd have a roll-up win, but yeah, like. And, and with New Japan the way they are and the way their business is as well, because Stardom drew 1,300. And that was a sellout at Otter Ward's gym. I think they're running, is it Kurikan for the finals, Gareth? Of the M1. I don't know where the finals are. Uh, no idea. Uh, but like with the G1 getting, what, one of the shows getting 813 in Kurikan? It's like the G1, where two years ago, Everywhere was basically kind of drawing a good few thousand in every show. Big attendances. None of that. There's a there's a place there in the market, like for like where space where New Japan is, and it's not like WWE where they've got this kind of you know complete monopoly on it. There's space there for it to grow with a weakened New Japan. So you kind of look at a Noah and you think, I kind of it'd be. It would lit a fire up under New Japan's ass if you start, like, kind of really, like, cooking and all, uh, firing on all cylinders. But I don't have the faith they're going to do that. I'll still watch the fi- I'll still watch the finals though. When are the finals? When I mean, are they? Just next week. Just next give me weekend. An, just give me an idea. I'm I'm, I'm gonna 
boot up EWR tomorrow and just uh, get shot a motor, get shot a fizz for you. There you yeah. go, yeah. <laughs> Stream coming to Twitch.tv like, slash, slash gravel. Fuck my own little Noah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Garrett fucks Noah. That's a series. <laughs> 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 the joint, oh, I was going to say the Gareth Bubba series. <laughs> you can be my assistant booker, tell me where I'm putting uh, Kato Kimi here in that uh, world transfer window. I've got Naito as well. That could be a match. Maybe I'll do that. Um, do you see. not get Muta? No. You could lose, you could lose Someone else did, but I'm not going to uh, give away anymore. But uh, no, I wasn't in the running. Muto? Some, wow. Someone took him. There's a tease. Somebody had a very specific plan for their main events. You will see it play out. Uh, when that show comes out um right that's wild that's a selling <laughs> point to me that's a wild theory that i want to hear <laughs> yeah um thanks yeah i'm not gonna say anymore no no other hints but um yeah i am elsewhere anything else you guys have watched before we go anything you quickly want to mention i'll mention the the homicide suzuki match i did watch that um three and a half stars it wasn't you know it, it was it was like technically good if you know what i mean it was like it wasn't spectacular you could tell Suzuki kind of had a bit of like a good... It was a great scene, like seeing Suzuki come out at GCW mm. and getting that big pop, you know, get seeing Homicide come out and get treated like it was 2006 Ring of Honor. It isn't, you know, because you can't really go anymore. But they went out there and just had like a, a functional kind of like hard striking, not so much technical match, but like technically kind of proficient match with a lot of uh, homicide selling his arm. It was like it was the basics done well. You know what I mean? They didn't try and run. Mm-hmm. Um, they just had a a solid match with a with a fun atmosphere. And I wouldn't go higher than three and a half stars on it, but it was still cool to see. You know, homicide got a got a little bit of a, yeah. a run in the sun as well. I haven't seen um, Suzuki Gresham yet. That is the other one on my list of uh, mm-hmm. Suzuki matches from this tour. I want to see. I know he's got a the Daniel Garcia match coming up too. Um, definitely want to watch that but yeah managed to uh, to squeeze that in before we recorded what, you uh, what, what was what was that show on better that was the the one after the emo show um get oh, lost a lot or something get lost like that. a lot yeah it's um it's on the grapple app definitely or it will be by the time people hear me talk about this i wasn't gonna complain about it but you know <laughs> <laughs> the emo show is but this one isn't uh, <laughs> oh it is sorry by the time you listen to this one i was just no, i was just looking on the app and i was like oh yeah <laughs> well, they're running every weekend sometimes twice at the minute i don't want to be the other guy like i don't want to be you get enough in your comments gareth i don't want to be in your dms like come on add this but it's only for one match <laughs> um, there was nothing else on that show i was interested in i did i did watch the first half of that show but i can't say i've got much to say it was I was waiting for Rampage, so I put it on. It was that it was that badly timed, unfortunately, because like all of the uninteresting stuff happened before Rampage started, and then the, the half an hour before Rampage started, they had like a fucking half an hour intermission. And I was like, "Come on, lads! Like you're live on fight right now. I'll take advantage of the fact that there's probably more than just me trying to, you know, kill the time and not watch SmackDown before." We go, uh, we go live. So yeah, that was a, a little bit un- unfortunate. I thought, of course, a little bit of Taiji Simori and uh, and Tony Deppen, which was a, which was a a, a good little match. Um, Tony Deppen's <laughs> ever the pro, isn't he? Um, always a lot of yeah. fun. Matt Cardona did another angle where he uh, put his internet title up and uh, and dropped it to uh, to, to Effie. Um, they did that as well. Um, other than that, though, yeah, I didn't uh, didn't stick around for the uh, the second half of the show outside of the main event. Do you guys watch anything else? That's it. I, I think that's everything for me. Mm-hmm. Unless you want to start talk about the... I've started watching the Eddie Guerrero shoot interview sometimes. It's <laughs> in giggles. You're not going to learn anything new. Probably not. He's very, very good. Are we going to cancel him post-death? I was going to say, like, uh, I think he's 
you know, imagine death is the ultimate cancellation in many ways, isn't it? So, um, what a JV quote. <laughs> it really is. There's no coming back. Sorry. I don't know if that'll oh. suck in diesel. Should be Unless you believe in Jesus Christ, of course. And then in that case, you do. It's a fundamental tenant of your faith. No, I haven't watched any more wrestling. Fair enough. Well, I'll get us back to it. <laughs> we'll wrap up then. I'll go to plugs. Um, yeah, plug wise, yes. as I say, well transfer window coming out Thursday. I am doing a episode of Because WCW this week. I'm on WCW's Mayhem uh, 1999 pay per view, which I'm watching in the morning, Russo era. So I'm not expecting uh, great things out of that, but it should be a, a fun podcast right. to, to go and do uh, with the lads. So look forward to that. Patreon, we're doing a Q&A at the end of the week. There'll be a, a call for questions uh, coming up on the, uh, the Patreon feed. Anything I'm missing, JP? No, I think that's it. Otherwise, go to patreon.com forward slash grapple. Hoping to do a mixtape as well coming up. Um, yes. Uh, uh, obviously, got daily updates. Weekend show as, as That'll well. That'll be on Friday as well yeah. for the Q&A, which will be live on Friday as well for, uh, for patrons. Yes. Anything on the app side, Gareth? GCW, get your ratings in. It, it'll be there at some point. <laughs> <laughs> One day. There's a lot going download on. Download the app. Download the app. Yeah. And yeah. genuinely, though, yeah, as, it's free. It's as, free. The, as a podcaster who does the Grapple app, I have genuinely found it useful this week. I It warned me off watching the G1 shows. It was a great use. It was, you know, I was yeah. like, okay, I don't need to watch that. Cool. I'll move on with my life. <laughs> with time at a premium, it's an absolute godsend because even, even for me, like if you're going through, especially looking at tournament matches and you're thinking, really, what is the stuff you need to spend your time doing? Like, that's. It's it's just it's the easiest resource for that mm. for for being able to do that to know what to avoid. So there was definitely one of those G one block days, and I was like, sort of card at evil in the main event, and it was like oh, I think it was around just over two stars. I went, yeah, that's all of that's being avoided. I don't need to know. I just know. It's I, d- bad I don't evil need. To, I don't need to be the judge of that. You thought <laughs> I did. I thought other people needed to be the judge of that. Do as I say. Don't do as I do. That's always yeah. been one of my mottos. For yeah, that's that's what I should say, isn't it? Don't get mad. Don't get mad about Meltzer's Omega and Danielson ratings. Mm. Download the Grapple app and uh, yeah. place your opinions on hundreds or thousands of people, depending on which which match you're looking at. Don't off. get angry about one man. It's just one man. <laughs> there you go. What a plug. So yeah, all of that Patreon stuff coming up at the, the weekend. And yes, uh, Spotlight will be back probably to our normal Monday next week. Stay tuned for info on that. But other than that, that's it for us for another week. I'll see you again soon, all. Bye. See ya. Bye. (laughs) Everyone, I apologize. We have to take our final break of the evening, but we will be back with all of the action right after this. My bones are made of stone. So step inside the ring, I'm stomping through the soul. This is rampage, screaming cause damage.